tonight on your nightly program, The Vaccine. You turn on news, it's COVID, vaccine, COVID, vaccine. Deprogram yourself while you still can. Listen, living, listening to Synchronon. Sick and wrong. Yes, you're listening to Sick and Wrong. The Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. God, what a bunch of scumbags. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. I'm one of your hosts, E. Simon. Hello, I'm Kate Rambeau. It's cracking there, Kate. Not much. It's been a quiet week. What about you? How's, uh, you know, actually a lot of things have been going on over here. I was going to ask you, though, first, how is the lockdown? How's the lockdown going? Oh, just fucking never ending. How long does it last? Like, when are they lifting it? Well, they did have a review, and I think they said March the 7th. They're going to, like, look at, look at what's going on. I thought, they were, I thought it was mid-February when Boris was like, oh, we're going to let people travel again. No, not that I know. I, it's just all that. What I wish the government would just do is just be like hardcore about it now and just be like, that's it, guys. Until the end of March, you're all going to stay in. But they're being wishy-washy about it because they're Tory scum. I'm just surprised the, uh, the average UK citizens are like, all right, we're, we're, we're cool with this. Because, I mean, you guys are like, you know, you, you stab people all the time. How come there yeah, aren't more stab stabbings? City. Yeah. It's our capital of the country. English love to stab people. They do love to stab people. What what has amazed me is like the Dutch can't take it anymore. That's that's what and I'm they, saying. They've been writing. Yeah. yeah, like the Dutch. Like there's Dutch curfews out here, and the Dutch are like, "Fuck this." The Dutch, Dutch, the you land know. of chocolate and tulips. The Dutch are flipping the fuck out, and the We've English enough, people are man. just complacent. What's yeah. going on with that? I don't know because we do love to be told what to do. The English do. Yeah, maybe it's just the authoritarian regime that just runs your country. But in the U.S., we'd be like, don't tread on me, bitch. I'm well, not wearing that's a why mask. 400,000 of you guys have died. <laughs> <laughs> maybe yeah, we we're a bit more respectful of each other. <laughs> <laughs> it is crazy, though. I was reading about, um, like, the Dutch. And, yeah, like, uh, there's riots going on right now. Three nights of riots. More than 180 people arrested in 10 Dutch cities. Whoa. Yeah. Shops in Rotterdam looted. Police have been using water cannons. Uh, the prime minister, uh, Mark Rutte, condemned criminal violence. And uh, they, they were like, curfew is going to remain. And so, so far, since the beginning of the pandemic, um, they've had about 1 million cases, but only about 13,500 deaths. Yeah, that's low. Pretty low, especially, I mean, God, L.A. has like, I don't know, 10 times that. Um mm. But uh, but yeah, they they introduced this nighttime curfew, which runs at nine o'clock, nine to four thirty. Mm-hmm. And if you're out violating it, it's like a ninety-five euro fine, eighty-four pounds. Wow. Yeah, crazy. And How so, can they uh, police that though? I mean, they they got their water cannons and uh, they're out well, there yeah, they enforcing can police it. The riots, <laughs> but how can they police what? Do they have bobbies on the beat from nine at night until four a.m.? I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know if uh, if the cities are small enough where they can actually drive through and and, and Night's a bit sure. early. You'd think it would be like 11, 11 at night. Till maybe it's kind of weird. I mean, uh, and, and it's not just Rotterdam. It's Rotterdam, Amsterdam, 
uh, yeah. in like 10 different uh, cities in, uh, in Holland, which you think the, mm-hmm. the Dutch people are so nice. I can't imagine them looting. Well, they did hand over all their Jews. Oh, yeah, I, I guess they say did. That about- <laughs> they, did <laughs> they didn't put up a fight. They, they didn't. They rounded them all up and handed them over. Even the we ones hiding. We don't no trouble here, governor. <laughs> Even the ones hiding in the attic, they gave them up too. You know, eventually. Um, well, as of this weekend here in L.A., uh, Governor Gavin Newsom has eased the lockdown restrictions. So now in L.A., San Francisco, Sacramento, San Diego, although San Diego, I don't think they cared as much, but we can dine outside again. But you have to have an anal swab COVID test. I don't know if you heard about that. Have you been hearing well, about the anal swabs? That. You'd enjoy that. Well, so it, you're going to be out every weekend after your anal swab. It's like, I got to get another anal swab. But you've already yeah, had three time. today, sir. Oh, three? Okay. I thought, is there, is there a quota? Quiet weekends. Yeah, a quiet <laughs> weekend. Only free. China is using anal swabs now to test for COVID-19. It's, it's China like doing stuff like that. They're a very, like, bowel-fixated type of... Um, country what are you trying to say like they're uh they're into scat porn i thought that was the germans they are into scat porn (laughs) well yeah i mean the germans take it one step further and they add leather to it but no they've always been like you know very into like bowels and digestion over in in that culture it's an acupuncture and all that you know maybe it's part of the near east medicine but the chinese recently made public their use of anal swabs to screen patients for covid19 so they might have been doing this for a while and just now decided to make it public. Is it to do with the mucus? What, in your anus? Well, yeah, I thought they would, because they go right to the back of your nose and for it. I've not had a COVID test anally or nasally. <laughs> well, I can't confirm this. <laughs> but they're just collecting the mucus membrane, aren't they? Yeah, they scrape it. Like, uh, So I've had it, they scrape the side of your cheek and I've had them uh, do the one where they shove it like into your, in your brain nose. no it yeah. sucks um but yeah like i think they're just kind of getting a mucus sample but these That's anal right. swab tests are supposed to be very yeah. accurate so uh the chinese chinese healthcare professionals only perform these uh covid19 anal swabs on patients who are considered high risk however they note that some individuals have been required to take surprise anal tests including airline pas- passengers who just recently arrived in Beijing, as well, over, as, well as over a thousand children's and te- children teachers at a local school. It's so like just... a carry-on movie, isn't it? Like, surprise! <laughs> Could you imagine, like, getting off the plane and you're in customs just waiting to, like, go through, and they're just like, yeah. surprise! Anal swab! Anal test! <laughs> yeah. I would just be like, what are you talking about? I'm, put me back on the plane. Yeah, it's a um, violation, isn't it? Not in I'd China. This is not in China. <laughs> not in China. I don't think. I don't think it's a violation. I don't think you have like personal liberties, you know, personal rights. Mm-hmm. Um, so the uh, the test involves inserting a saline covered swab, two to three inches into a person's rectum. So that's oh, that's oh, you can far handle up that. there. You can handle that like a pro. That's well, not swab's legit. pretty. Uh, swab's also not that thick, but yeah, you can um, easily take that. It's like a finger, don't, like, don't a, like a pinky finger. Yeah, don't you worry know? about it, mate. You'll be all right when it happens to you. Surprise. <laughs> um, but yeah, so then they uh, gain a proper sample, and the results appear to be more accurate than the ones conducted uh, nasally. Uh, maybe this is due to the fact that the coronavirus lives longer in excrement or the anal tract than it would in the respiratory tract. Okay, so there's the science behind it. Yeah. Um, so the COVID lives longer in your asshole. 
than it does in your mouth. In your mouth. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I've learned something today. Thank you. Uh, they say uh, there's been reports that there's no clear evidence that the disease transmission is any more common in those who test positive in their anuses. So if you're, if you're testing positive for COVID in your anus, you can still transmit it just as easily as you can by coughing on someone. So I don't know if, but that's what makes me wonder, do you think people could pass the COVID with a fart? They must You're be able to. You're asking the deep questions here today. <laughs> um, I would kind of hope that if I had to have an anal swab for the COVID, that I would have the COVID after it. So it's a bit crap to have an anal sw- swab and then it turns out you're negative. You'd be like, well, what did I do all that for? Well, you'd like, want both tests? Yeah, fuck it. I've had worse things. Worse things happen to me. Well, it made me think, why don't they have anal masks? Because if like, so people are coughing and it's blocking it, maybe we should put some, I mean, I guess there's like undie, like like underwear. A diaper, a nappy. Charcoal filtered panties. Is this your new art, D? Is this your new Jew invention? Sick and Wrong releases charcoal, new, like charcoal panties to Mm -hmm. filter your COVID farts. Copyright TM. I think it's a good idea. Um, Anal swabbing has not been implemented in, uh, Anywhere um, else. Other places, except uh, for New Zealand. Oh. New Zealand has done it, and they've nearly eradicated the presence of uh, the coronavirus. So it made me think, you know, Kiwis love a hard and deep anal swabbing, whereas the Aussies are like, you know, fuck that, mate. Not sticking that in my ass. No fucking way, mate. Nothing's going up <laughs> my fucking shooter. No. Good luck, though, trying to enforce anal- mandatory anal swabs on the U.S. citizens. Yeah, I, I hope... think your brother, your brother would be quite happy about this turn of events, I would think. Actually, yeah, my brother is probably his preferred method of COVID testing. But I wonder if Biden's going to try to pass one of his, like, 50 executive orders, anal swabs for everybody to stop the COVID. It could be part of his plan, his evil plan. I don't think it would work, though, because, uh, you know, we have, uh, we have House Republicans and uh, senators such as... Uh, such as GOP House Rep Marjorie Taylor Greene, who would never oh allow that to happen. Have you heard of this lady? She's been making the news uh, recently. There she is. There she is. Marjorie Taylor Greene. She's a vile creature. Particular breed of soulless harpy. Awful woman. Yeah. Um, you can tell it. A, you can see it by looking at her. You can tell she has crazy eyes, like Michelle Bachman. But she's even worse than Michelle Bachman. Michelle Bachman is involved in the Tea Party, but this one is like full on, full bore QAnon conspiracy theorist. And she's an elected official. Don't get me wrong, elected official. Now listen to some of the bullshit that she's been spewing, and and there's a lot. Um, the one that we're going to talk about is my favorite. One of my favorite uh, Jew conspiracies I've heard in a long time. She penned a conspiracy theory that there are laser beams from space that the Jews are controlling that started the deadly 2018 California wildfire. It's amazing. Laser beams from space. Yes. Jews have space laser beams beams. that they're shooting to start fires in California. Can I just say, though, that this is probably true and it's part of the Jew problem? (laughs) You're, you're just like, if I was American, I would be voting for Marjorie Taylor Greene. I, I think she's right. I think um, <laughs> the Jews do have laser beams. They're in space, and uh, they're using them to start fires everywhere. Do you know what? They also did Australia. 
Oh, you know, that's probably, are you going to post that to Facebook? About the Jew, I'm going to go Jew on lasers? QAnon. I'm a, I'm a QAnon now, D. I'm going to put it on the QAnon website and be like, yeah, those space lasers, they, they're what killed the koala bears. We should stop this Jewish problem. It's become a pro an issue now, boys. Good, I knew you were going to get all riled over this. So in November 2018, <laughs> California was hit with the, the worst wildfire in the state's history. I mean, it was insane. Um, at mm -hmm. the time, future rep, she wasn't, she, was, she wasn't an elected official yet, Marjorie Taylor Greene, um, Republican from Georgia wrote a bizarre Facebook post that echoed a QAnon conspiracy theory that falsely claims that the real and hidden culprit behind the disaster was a laser from space triggered by a nefarious group of people known as the Rothschilds. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. So it's getting it's getting deeper now. Age-old conspiracy. In reality, this fire was determined and proven and proven. To be yeah. uh, started by electrical wiring, faulty electrical wi wiring belonging to uh, the Pacific Gas and Electric. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing. This post of hers, and so there's other things coming up right now. The space lasers has been making the rounds. I think everybody's talking about it, all the comedians and all that. Um, but <laughs> then there's also a video circulating of her accosting um, David Hogg, you know, that high school student who was in the Parkland massacre. Oh, really? Yeah, like she's running up asking him, like, can I talk to you? Why are you trying to take our guns away? This is like a woman in her 40s. This is like a 16-year-old kid. Boy. Yeah, he's been through a super traumatic event. Yeah, horrible woman. Whoa. Um, and so, yeah, she embraces all the all manner of conspiracy theories. Um, in addition to being a QAnon supporter, she's pushed uh, theories about 9-11, the Parkland and Sandy Hook school shootings. Sandy Hook was a, was a hoax. Um, oh. The Las Vegas shooting. And the murder. Is that a hoax too? Well, here I actually have a clip from that. But and the murder of uh, Democratic staffer Seth Rich, which I don't know a lot of. She's one of uh, Clinton's uh, staffers that that was murdered. Mm -hmm. They they claim that was like a an inside job. Um, but but you know actually before I get into this clip about what she says about the Las Vegas shooting, do you guys have batshit politicians that are very outspoken that are elected to uh, you know to to Parliament like this? No, we just tend to have elitist pricks because most politicians, you have to go to a certain type of school. You have to be part of a certain type of like, I would never get to like to be prime minister of anything. Like 99% of the people. Yeah. Will is there, get is there just country. like, is there like a resume they look at or a checklist or like, oh, no northern slags like you're out. Yeah, probably. They'd be like, your past is too checkered. You are a worldly woman. <laughs> Away with her. You haven't yeah. fucked a pig, so there's no way well, you're going to be elected to parliament. Well, you can definitely describe some of my exes pig life. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently in the U.S., you can have women like this elected to the House of Representatives. Apparently you can. Listen to this. Hey, friends. I've got a question for you. How do you get avid gun owners and people that support the Second Amendment to give up their guns and go along with anti-gun? You can't see the video, but she's sitting in her car doing like a selfie video, oh. but she's wearing a don't tread on me hat oh, with the snake symbol. Instagram Live, yeah. yeah. Legislation. How do you do that? Maybe you accomplish that by performing a mass shooting into a crowd that is very likely to be conservative very likely to vote Republican, very likely to be Trump supporters, very likely to be pro-Second Amendment, and very dun, dun, dun. likely to own guns. 
you make them scared, you make them victims, and you change their mindset, and then possibly you can pass anti-gun legislation. And then you take them out with your Jew lasers. <laughs> well, that's what you do. Is that what happened in Las Vegas? Is that why um, the country music festival was targeted? Because those would be the people, would be the ones that we would relate to? No, it's because country music is a Special Olympics of music. I'm talking about contemporary it's, country. Contemporary I was about country. To say, you take yeah. that back. Well, I'm Massive. saying contemporary country. I would say Since post. 1994, it's been yeah, terrible. Yeah, post 1994 is the mm-hmm. Special Olympics of music. So that's yes. why it happened, okay? Mm-hmm. Are they trying to terrorize our mindset and change our minds on the Second Amendment? Is that what's going on here? I have a lot of questions about that. I don't believe Stephen Paddock was a lone wolf. I don't believe that he pulled this off all by himself. And I know most of you don't either. So I am really wondering. Yeah, you're an idiot. That's what, that's what I'm wondering. Yeah. I'm wondering how you were even elected. Um, yeah, she's a soulless, self-serving harpy. And it's deeply concerning that uh, she's in Congress. But she has a history. And not just this. A history of pushing anti-Muslim and anti-Semitic remarks. This so, does not surprise me. No, not, surprise, not surprising at all. Mm-hmm. Um, conspiracy theorists have been pushing many different explanations for the campfire, even though it's been proven that it was uh, caused by electrical transmission lines that were like, I don't know, over 100 years old. That was the problem. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. PG&E, just, there's just too, it, it just costs too much for them to replace these, these old electrical uh, uh, generators and transmission lines so they just they knew it was like a tinderbox accident waiting to happen they just didn't do anything about it that's why they pled guilty to 84 counts of involuntary manslaughter and are being wow. sued yeah that's the thing because it was proven that they did this but instead you have QAnon folks you have you know Marjorie Taylor Greene pushing these explanations about the campfire saying that there were you know laser beams or other instruments that started the fire or they're, what they're trying to do is financially profit by uh, clearing space for California's high-speed rail system. Like, that's what they were doing with the fire, because the fire is kind of along the lines of where the high-speed rail system would be. Mm-hmm. So they're just like, hey, let's just use our laser beams, clear some space, then we're going to make a ton of money on the rail system. And All so, the uh, two laser beams that we have in space right now. Exactly. Let's just target them. I wonder what the Jew laser beams are actually called. They must have a cool name. Jew lasers? I don't know. Yeah. Something better than Jew lasers. Yeah, there's got to be like like Scorpio. Operation oh, Scorpio. Scorpio. Yeah, Operation Scorpio. Operation Scorpio. Scorpio. That, that would be yeah. good. Yeah. Um, Representative Green is a huge proponent of the campfire laser beam conspiracy theory. And in her post, which she deleted now, um, <laughs> she was like, there are too many coincidences to ignore, including that then California Governor Jerry Brown wanted to build the high-speed rail project, and Roger Kimmel, board member of PG&E, vice chairman of Rothschild Inc., mm-hmm. was involved, and he, PG&E had invested in technology to beam solar energy from space down to Earth. She claims that this is the technology that caused the fire. Yeah, Operation the laser beams. Scorchio. Scorchio, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, she added, if they are beaming the sun's energy back to Earth, I'm sure they wouldn't ever miss a transmitter receiving station, right? 
I mean, mistakes are never made when anything new is invented. What would, what would that look like anyway? A laser beam or a light beam coming down to Earth, I guess? Could that cause a fire? Hmm, I don't know. That wouldn't look so good for Rothschild, Inc., who seem really fond of PG&E. So the fact that she's bringing up the Rothschilds, Yes. Who are like a regular target of most uh, conspiracy theorists, neo-Nazis, white supremacists. It's always the Rothschilds, the Rothschild family, the Rothschilds, you know, who own the Federal Reserve, who control the banking system, the New World Order, the Jew-Minati. It's always this, it always comes down to the Rothschild family. And so they've, they've been featured in all the anti-Semitic conspiracy theories since like the 19th century. This isn't yeah. something new. I mean, she's just basically just recycling old garbage that's been uh, disproven. But there you go. There's the, uh, there's, there's a good Rothschild graphic here um, of what these people believe. That here you got terrorist groups, ISIS, the CIA, MI6, everybody feeding off the money from produced by the Rothschilds, controlled at the by the Rothschilds. of Rothschild. Exactly. And, uh, you know, by now, what, what uh, anti-Semites and QAnon and uh, a lot of these neo-Nazi conspiracy theorists claim, they've updated and replaced Rothschild with George Soros, another mm-hmm. rich Hungarian Jew. Um, he was the mastermind for the global conspiracy to spread the left, you know, the left-wing ideology. But you know what's funny to me about this whole thing with the Jewish space lasers? If we had lasers, do you think there would be an Iran? Don't you think we'd just like laser out Iran completely? Or, or the no, pes- you'd get, obviously the first target would be Palestine, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, that's what I'm get saying. The pesky Palestinians, not yeah, a problem anymore. Get rid of them Lasered. and then you can move into that. And like, yeah, what else would you do? Well, that's what I'm saying. Iran's like threatening with their nuclear, uh, you know, nuclear energy. It's just like zap. That's out. That's gone. Goodbye, boys. You know? B.I. Yeah. But, but that's what makes me wonder. It's like if there's an international cabal of Jewish bankers who wanted to finance a rail project, would they use their space lasers to set a catastrophic blaze? Don't you think there's easier ways to get, a, to get it approved by state legislature, like lobbying or paying off politicians? It's like a Bond villain, isn't it? <laughs> space lasers. I don't what? know what it is. It's just, it's just absolutely absurd, this line of thinking. Completely. And the fact that people are still thinking this, you know, just gives you pause. makes you think like, wow. And, and these are people that are, you know, in our government right now that are, yeah. that are perpetuating <laughs> these theories. elected so, by the common folk. I mean, it's, it's baked into their conspiracy theory. And, and Green, I mean, Green wrote, she's like, there's so many con- coincidences, you know, too many to ignore, too many connections to the Rothschilds and other forces here at work. And so, yeah, I mean, uh, in 2018, she shared another video. This is prior to her being elected. But keep in mind, people still voted for her, and she is a representative. Um, She uh, lambasted Zionist supremacists, and she advanced the Great Replacement Theory, which alleges that Jews are conspiring to undermine white-majority countries by bringing in non-white immigrants. That's what we're doing, the Great Replacement the great replacement for the great problem. Yeah. But uh, but but this all kind of ties into other anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. And I want to give a big uh, thank you to uh, Evil Bunny for sending in this, this amazing story um, for, about a Russian documentary that claims that the sinking of the Titanic was caused by Jews, of course. Um, and it, so there's a, a documentary that came out on Moscow's REN TV recently. Mm-hmm. Um, that represented kind of a reanimation rush of the the old school 
Protocols of the Elders of Zion, which is a vicious anti-Semitic uh, pamphlet that came out um, yeah, that still is, is being read and reprinted in, uh, in, uh, in, in Russia to this day. Oh yeah, the, really? there you go. There, here's the the Jewish conspiracy theory about the uh, the Titanic. Um, these three men actually um, were all Jews, um, yeah, who Benjamin actually died on the Titanic. Isaac Strauss yeah. and Jacob Astor. All three died in the Titanic, but somehow were connected to sinking it. Um, but the protocols of the elders of Zion. I think I've mentioned it on the show before, and it's it's definitely something that uh, that uh, that still. Uh, being yeah. you know bandied about on the internet. I mean, you can download it right now on the internet. It's a notorious and widely distributed anti-Semitic publication um, that came out, I think, kind of like uh, early 1900s. And it has mm-hmm. lies about Jews, which have been completely discredited and debunked. Continues to circulate today, though. Um, but it, yeah, it's, it basically just spreads um, anti-Semitism and hatred of Jews. And it's entirely a work of fiction, ri- intentionally written to blame Jews for a variety of society's ills. Um, and so they claim that it all surrounds the elders of Zion are part of this Jewish conspiracy, this new world order that's trying to dominate the world. So its leaders are the so-called elders of Zion. Um, so in 1903... Portions of the Protocols of the Elders of Zion were serialized in a Russian newspaper called Znamya, the Banner. And these, this version of Protocols is, is endured to this day, being translated dozens of languages. Um, it was first published in Russia in 1905, um, but, uh, but then it you know, made, it, made its way throughout Europe, throughout the States. Uh, the exact origin of the Protocols is unknown, but its intent was to portray Jews as conspirators against the state. Um, and so what it is, Actually. it's 24 chapters of this book that includes minutes from meetings of Jewish leaders, which uh, the protocols, um, describing their secret plans to make Jews rulers of the world by manipulating the economy, controlling media, and fostering religious conflict throughout the world. It's the New World Order. And so uh, following the uh, Russian Revolution in 1917, um, Bolshevik emigres brought the uh, protocols to the West. So it started circulating throughout Europe, the United States, South America, Japan, and uh, throughout the Arabic nations as well, to this day, where it's still st- taught in schools. Um, Is it? Oh, yeah. Wow. But uh, one, one huge American fan, auto magnate Henry Ford, um, his newspaper published a series of articles based on the protocols. It's called The International Jew. And it's a did book you know? that was included in the series. Yeah. Oh, did you know that? Um, oh, there's the picture of the Zion book. Oh, yeah. That's the uh, yeah. Protocols of the Elders of Zion. You can see yeah. the, uh, you, well, you can see it's in German. This is a German mm-hmm. uh, edition of edition. it. But you can see the Hebrew as well. Yeah. Can you read that as a Jew? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It would take yeah. me a little while to try to sound you're, it out. You're probably lying. But Clyde Barrow of uh, Bonnie and Clyde fame, he loved Henry Ford's V8 car so much that he uh, he wrote Henry Ford a little letter telling him so about how he loved to, you know, get away from crimes. The V8 was his favorite car to steal. Oh, his getaway car. Was his, oh, He would always steal a V8 if there was a V8 on option. I wonder if uh, Clyde agreed with uh, Henry Ford's sentiment on the Jews. I imagine he will have done. <laughs> No wonder he's one of your favorite killers. So this book, The International Jew, 
was translated into 16 different languages. And guess who was a huge fan and devoted reader? Clyde Barrow. And Adolf Hitler and Joseph Goebbels. Um, oh, well, they that praised makes sense. Ford yeah. and they loved reading The International Jew. Oh, I um, bet they did. Yeah. <laughs> so in 1921, the London Times pre- presented conclusive proof that the protocols was just clumsy plagiarism. Um, it had been copied from a French political satire that never even mentioned the Jews. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's other investigations revealed that one chapter was copied from a Prussian novel, which inspired the protocols. But nevertheless, you know, the Nazis ran with it. Um, Nazi Party ideologue Alfred Rosenberg, um, which is a very Jewish name, but it's also a German name. Yeah. Uh, he introduced Hitler to the protocols during the early 20s, 1920s, as Hitler was developing his worldview. Um, he refer- Hitler referred to the protocols in many of his early political speeches, and throughout his career, he explained the myth that the Jewish Bolshevists were conspiring to control the world, and that's why we have to stop them. Well, that's just what this woman's saying, but she's added oh, yeah. lasers. <laughs> lasers yeah. to it. She's so, made it modern. Yeah, I mean, the Nazis must have republished the protocols. The, the Nazis pro- republished 23 different editions of the protocols between 1919 and 1939. Mm-hmm. No wonder it's still circulating. And in the United States and Europe to this day, neo-Nazis, white supremacists, and Holocaust deniers completely endorse and circulate the protocols. And you can, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's available worldwide, even in countries with hardly any Jews, like Japan. Yeah, yeah. you can just buy it. That's crazy. So here you go. You know, just a few years ago, Moscow, uh, one of Moscow's major uh, television networks, they're replaying a documentary um, claiming that a shadowy group of 300 uh, people, shadowy people, consisting of Jews, Masons, and Illuminati, had sunk the ship in order to provoke chaos and bring to power a universal government controlled by who? The Jews. There you go. The Jew-minati. You guys. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, this is just, uh, it's just absolutely, uh, it, it's absolutely absurd. And the fact that it's still, you know, being, this myth is being perpetuated today is is mm-hmm. just it's just alarming it's 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 kind of mind-blowing in a sense um they also amongst other uh myths in this documentary this russian documentary they say that uh the diversion of the chernobyl nuclear power plant caused by the jews jews yep destruction of the ussr 1991 jews. the jews and the blowing up of the twin towers guess who jews arab terrorists were unjustly accused it was really a jewish plot a zionist plot they could also say that the Twin Towers, were they not blown up by the lasers? Because not much is going to melt steel beams, especially not jet fuel. It would be lasers that will do that. Yeah, that's a theory that hasn't been making the rounds on the internet. Now, I've just created it now here, man. You know, I'm, I'm going to get into Congress. This time next year, I'll have a seat in Congress. Yeah, once, uh, it, you know, it'll be a popular opinion. You know, I've actually, I bet you, uh, you know, I bet you probably have a burgeoning career in U.S. politics with that kind of attitude, Moxie. Uh, yeah, I've got it all, man. So getting into the Rothschilds conspiracy, I want to go into this a little bit. Um, I was actually kind of fascinated by it because you hear the name a lot and you hear the terms Illuminati, Juminati and all that. But I never really, you know, looked into the Rothschilds that much. So I started uh, digging into it and find out, like, why are they such conspiracy fodder? Why does everyone yeah, always blame I, the Rothschilds? Yeah, I don't know much about them. I like I I know more about like the Guggenheims and the Strauss family than I do about the Rothschild. 
Well, so this is like a 200-year-old myth, and it's still being peddled around. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the myth that the Rothschild family, having plotted and profited from wars, caused the Holocaust and arranged the assassination of many political opponents, and they secretly controlled the global economy. This myth is still going strong. It all wow. plays into it. George Soros, the Rothschilds. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, this is still a myth that's being prom- like it's it's a popular myth to be circulated. You know, as soon as they start blaming the Jews. And, uh, you know, you have like anti-Semitic groups such as the Liberty Lobby. I don't know. It's a QAnon uh, group. Have, have obsessed over the Rothschild's uh, control of the Federal Reserve Bank. And so you always see George Soros' name being associated with the Federal Reserve. Okay. Um, but the far right doesn't even have, a, you know, the uh, their own monopoly on this Rothschild conspiracy theory. Back in February... A former Labor parliamentary candidate shared a social media post about the Rothschilds owning Israel, which in turn controlled the U.S. Congress and the executive branch. Yeah. Of course. This Not guy was a, a Labor <laughs> prospective par- parliamentary candidate named John Clark, and he reposted this uh, meme, conspiracy meme, um, that, uh, from, uh, about the Rothschilds. That cla- he claimed it, it, it contains a great deal of truth. This same guy... Um, ran to uh, get Preeti Patel's Witham seat in 2015. Um, he was forced to apologize for calling her a sexy Bond villain. Do you remember this? Why Why would you have to apologize? If a man said that to me, I would be like, thank you, sir. That's such know. a compliment. Maybe What's wrong was with inappropriate. You? A sexy Bond villain. <laughs> maybe she was like, I am not sexy. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe she didn't believe it. So... Mm-hmm. The Rothschild conspiracy theory dates back to 1846. That's how old this is. Over 200 years old. Um, It was published in a pamphlet written under the pseudonym Satan. So Satan's the author of this, of course. I want this pamphlet. It focuses on Nathan Rothschild, who's the founder of the London branch of the bank and son of the the, uh, dynasty's creator, Meyer Amschel Rothschild. Um, I think we have a picture of them in London. just kind of hanging out with the Bobbies. Uh, the Rothschild family is a wealthy Jewish family, originally from Frankfurt, Germany. There he is. There's uh, Meyer and Nathan. They look about the same age, don't they? Even though they are father, father and, son, and son, they do look yeah. exactly the same age. Great so fashion. Originally, they're from Frankfurt, and there was a prominence with Meyer Amschel Rothschild, uh, who's a court factor of the German landgraves of Hesse Castle in, uh, in uh, the free city of Frankfurt. And he established his banking business in the 1760s. Unlike most previous core factors, though, he managed to bequeath his wealth and establish an international banking family through his five sons, who had businesses in London, Paris, Frankfurt, Vienna, and Naples. And the family was elevated to, to a noble rank in the Holy Roman Empire and the United Kingdom. Put a pin in the Holy Roman Empire, because we're going to get to that in a second. Yeah, we're going to get to that in a second. Um, so it's it's a family business. And so during the 19th century, the Rothschild family possessed the largest private fortune in the world, as well as in modern world history. And uh, their, their wealth declined over the 20th century and was divided among many uh, various descendants. But today, they're still around. I mean, they're still in operation, and their interests cover a diverse range of fields, financial services, real estate, mining, energy, agriculture, winemaking. Um, and they have their buildings adorn landscapes across northwestern Europe. Yeah, but what that wine tastes like. Yeah, they probably own like many different companies. Um, yeah, 
But their, their family, the Rothschilds' family, has been a subject of many conspiracy theories over decades, you know, centuries, if you think about it. So Satan here, this, uh, this book, <laughs> alleges, alleged that Nathan Rothschild was on the battlefield in June 1815, the War of Waterloo, to witness the defeat of uh, Napoleon, the oh, hands amazing. of the British. And so he hastily returned to Britain before the news broke worldwide, and he was able to use his knowledge to make 20 million francs on the stock exchange. This is what's alleged in this book, Satan, by Satan. By Satan. Yeah, so he managed to get home in time before like, the press could send a pigeon And say to that, that the, uh, the French yeah. were defeated. Yeah, yeah so I highly, he managed highly to make, doubt that. Yeah, I, I, yeah, very skeptical of this. So you have world's fastest horse. So they claim that the Rothschild's vast fortune was built upon the bloodshed of the Battle of Waterloo. That's how Jews make their money, on the bloodshed <laughs> of the uh, Goyim. Um, later variants of the story said that Nathan was still in London but received the news before others, and he manipulated the stock exchange to cause a collapse in the price of shares, which he scooped up before the market uh, rocketed with the news of uh, you know, Wellington's victory in Waterloo. So he kind of did stonk. a whole, yeah, kind of a game yeah. stonking thing here. Um, so over time, you know, this, this story was, was completely debunked. He was never at Waterloo. The newspaper, which allegedly reported the story of his share spending spree, turned out to contain nothing. There's no such item. And even the, the uh, huge collapse in share prices from which he uh, could have profited didn't even happen. So mm-hmm. what probably happened here is Nathan, you know, who was involved in banking, followed the stock market, um, probably received news of the defeat several hours before it officially broke. You know, I mean, he's a businessman involved in international businesses. And, uh, you know, he's an employee of the bank. He probably did well. And uh, the market was, you know, buoyant. They were yeah. allowed him to make gains. He probably invested well, and sure enough, you know, they accumulated a vast wealth, the Rothschilds. But that being said, you got one family, owns a lot of banks, they have a lot more money than anybody else. Well, that's going to give birth to many conspiracy theories. And there's been a lot, you know, um, they're pulling the strings behind a succession of French 19th century monarchs, um, including Louis the mm-hmm. um, uh Louis Philippe, and uh, Napoleon III. Uh, turned Otto von Bismarck into an agent. They uh, worked to uh, foment the 1870 Franco-Prussian War. This is how conspiracies are born. Um, Nation of Islam uh, leader Louis Farrakhan, Louis Farrakhan here, put in, put, said in 1995, the Rothschilds financed both sides of all European wars. They're playing both sides, so oh, they yeah. always come out on top. Pulling all the strings, the Juminati. Mm-hmm. Their aim was to get their hands on the Central Bank of America, which it was All achieved the with the passage yeah. of the 1913 legislation establishing the Federal Reserve Bank. Now, however, Rothschild banks are not, as, as they've been repeatedly alleged, they're not members of the Federal Reserve Bank in New York. And nor do those okay. banks control the Fed itself. That role, the Fed, that controls the Federal Reserve, is exercised by a board of governors who are nominated by the president confirmed by the Senate. So... Right. Unless the Rothschilds yeah. are controlling those senators and the president. They're playing both sides. So you they know? always come out on top. They were accused of uh, taking over the Bank of England during the famous Panic of 1825 stock market crash. I'm clutching at my pearls, dear David. 
Is Again, that what this they is did? False. Those, those dangerous <laughs> Rothschilds? They helped ease the bank's liquidity crisis by giving a loan, which was later repaid. So, oh, well, that was kind of them. Yeah. One of the worst and most offensive Rothschild conspiracy theories is that the family somehow engineered the Second World War and the Holocaust in order to generate the sympathy necessary to establish the state of Israel. It was now, all that, their idea all along. Now, that's probably one that you actually if probably adhere to, I'm sure. No, no, I, you know, King Hitler, uh, I'm, I'm pretty much on his side for the World War II crack. I don't think the, the Rothschilds were... Well, I don't know. Maybe had a the long-term plan there. Maybe the Rothschilds were funding Hitler, giving him money for They're all his tanks. both sides. Playing so all the sides. So they both on top. The yes. Gimenati. Now, let's, let's connect this to the Titanic here. Let's so you got the it. Rothschilds. They're pulling their mm-hmm. puppet strings, you know, controlling both sides of the war, causing all sorts of chaos and mayhem for their own gain. Well, now there's a whole conspiracy theory connecting them to the Titanic through the Society of Jesus, the Jesuit order of the Catholic Church. So I think that that's why there, it's this whole Titanic conspiracy theory, what, what Jews caused the Titanic. Mm-hmm. It kind of goes through this, this conspiracy theory about the Federal Reserve that's connected to the Jesuits. So conspiracy theorists believe that there were several forces behind the sinking of the Titanic, the RMS Titanic there, which sank in 1912. There's a Catholic order known as the Jesuits. They're compelled to carry out, the, out Jesus' work. And the Rothschilds, who, as you know, had a, had a high noble rank in, uh, in the, in the, uh, Catholic, the Roman Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Um, so what they claim here is that uh, the, the Rothschilds were banking agents for the Jesuits, and they hold the key to the wealth of the Roman Catholic Church. So in turn, they control the money, thus controlling the Catholic Church. So, so they also control all the diddling then. I think they pulled the strings. They they're pulling all they pull the strings. They pull like them Melissa. all off. That's what they yeah. do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. I wonder if the Rothschilds are just like, all right, you guys gotta curb the diddling, okay? What well, what's going on? This is Mashuka now. These are little boys here, all right? Just get some <laughs> negative attention. We're not planning for this. Um just keep your dicks in your pants. Um, the Society of Jesus, a religious order of the Catholic Church, headquartered in Rome. Um, it was founded in 1540, um, approved by Pope Paul III. The members are called Jesuits. And they're still around today, engaging in like evangelization and apostolic, uh, apostolic ministry in 112 nations. Um, conspiracy theorists believe that the establishment of the U.S. Federal Reserve was ushered into being by mysterious forces a group of Illuminati, enlightened individuals with a plan for a new world order claimed that it was necessary to establish the Federal Reserve. Now, a lot of people okay. don't really know what the Federal Reserve is. Like, do, do you have a, a solid understanding what that is? At the Federal Reserve Bank? Yeah. Is that just like where all your tax well, it's kind of an entity. goes and keeps the country running? In a sense, it's kind of the entity that sort of regulates all banking institutions in the U.S. It's operated yeah. outside the constraints of the U.S. government. But the Federal Reserve has these responsibilities. It conducts the nation's monetary policy by influencing monetary and credit conditions in the economy in pursuit of maximum employment, stable prices, and uh, moderate long-term interest, r- interest rates. 
They supervise and regulate banking institutions, and they maintain the overall stability of the financial system and contain any systemic risks that might arise. Um, They also provide financial services to uh, the U.S. government and foreign official institutions, including playing a major role in operating the nation's payment systems. So conspiracy theorists feel that the Jesuit establishment was created by the Juminati so that the order could loan money, shape the world landscape, and become one of the most powerful organizations in the world. And so now here's the connection between the Titanic and the Federal Reserve. So earlier we showed a picture of three men who uh, died on the Titanic. Um, So in 1910, seven men met on Jekyll Island just off the coast of Georgia to plan the Federal Reserve Bank. That is a cool name for an island. Um, Nelson Aldrich and Frank Vanderclip represented the Rockefellers financial empire. They're members of the Illuminati. Henry (laughs) Davidson, Charles Norton, and Benjamin Strong represented J.P. Morgan, also connected to the Illuminati. Paul Warburg, Illuminati, represented the Rothschilds, also in the Illuminati. (laughs) Um, He represented their banking dynasty of Europe. So necessary to their plans to control the world's money and global economy, the Federal Reserve had to be established. However, there was some opposition to it. So there were people you know, who are opposed to establishing uh, this uh, Federal Reserve. So all these wealthy and powerful men, the Illuminati, the Rothschilds, you needed these Jesuits to get rid of certain people who were opposed to, to the establishment of the Federal Reserve Bank. Most important of these people were Benjamin Guggenheim, Isidore okay. Strauss. Oh, it's who, coming together now. Who was the head of Macy's, yeah. and John Jacob Astor, who was... Right. At that time, like the wealthiest man in the world. So these three men, their total wealth at that time, using dollar values of today, um, of the day, this is dollar values back in like, you know, 1910, over $500 million. Today, that money would be about $11 billion. So would they even be in the top 10 richest men list nowadays? How much is like Jeff Bezos? No, they, they wouldn't be at $11 billion. They wouldn't high. even be like that high up, would they? They wouldn't be number one, but no, but no. I mean, at the time though, I mean, having money like that was unheard of. So we oh, showed a okay. picture earlier of these, these three guys. They were all invited to the Titanic. They were coaxed and encouraged to board the floating palace that was the Titanic oh, on the maiden voyage, right. but they had to be destroyed because the Jesuits knew that they would use their wealth and influence to oppose a Federal Reserve Bank, as well as other wars, World War I, mm-hmm. that were being planned. It can oh, also okay. also should be mentioned here, which is interesting, J.P. Morgan, um, who was the individual contracted to build the Titanic and was scheduled to be on the maiden voyage, he canceled at the last minute. There he is, J.P. Morgan, canceled at the last minute, supposed to be on the voyage. What was his excuse? Was he just not up for it that day? I'm just not up for a boat ride, fellas. Yeah, I don't know what it was. I have to look on it. He, oh, he what was, was booked. Excuse? Yeah, he was booked on... Uh, yeah. And he had planned to be on the uh, maiden voyage, but um, yeah, he was supposed to be on like one of the fanciest rooms too, but he canceled. Why did he decide the last minute to cancel? Was it illness? Just couldn't be bothered with a boat Or was ride. there I another mean, what, reason? Those, ooh, but in those days, it took like, what, three days to get from a, to, to get to a New York from yeah, Belfast? But maybe but there's like, a reason. I can't be asked for this. 
Or yeah. maybe he was just like, I know this ship's never going to complete that voyage. Dun, dun, dun. Possibly, you <laughs> yeah. know? And uh, so supporters of this idea that the Titanic shipwreck was orchestrated carefully, um, the Jesuits picked a, ca- picked a man to captain the ship who would do anything for the Jesuit order and for God's will, Captain Edward Smith. He was yes. probably the most experienced captain of the time, and he had navigated the waters of the Atlantic for like 26 years. He was a Jesuit, and he worked for good old J.P. Morgan right there. It's all coming together, D. Simon. Yep. It's all, it's all forming the plan, isn't it? I can see it. So the most powerful Jesuit in all of Ireland and the Jesuit master of Captain Smith was a man named Father Francis Brown. Mm-hmm. He boarded the ship before it departed. And this is the theory. He, uh, he claimed that he arranged this entire, the sinking of the Titanic by having Smith by giving the order to run a ship at full speed through an ice field on a moonless night, ignoring yes. any ice, ice warnings from those, you know, the lookouts. He was with the purpose of hitting an iceberg severely enough to cause a ship uh, to sink and these three mm-hmm. businessmen to drown. There you go. The sinking Titanic. It's an ocean graveyard there. So in other words... Terrible film. The Titanic... <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was terrible. I love the ending, though. Um... The Titanic was built and then sunk and her crew and passengers sacrificed to kill three men. Just, yeah, just three men. They didn't care about anyone else. Kill them all. Yeah. Kill the mans. Just kill, kill all the people on board so we can, so, uh, you know, we can uh, murder these three men who are opposing these the Federal Reserve Jews. Bank. We want f- free Jews dead. Sink the <laughs> ship. Um, what was interesting is uh, 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 Father Brown here received a reply telegram um, from some wealthy American benefactors that said, get off that ship, provincial. And sure enough, what happened? The ship sunk. All three men who were opposed to Federal Reserve died. And then uh, months later, you know, in uh, mm-hmm. December 1913, the Jesuits had sufficient funding to launch, uh, to not only establish the Federal Reserve Bank, was established, and eight months later after that, they had sufficient funding to launch a European war. What about Father Brown? Did he actually get off the boat then? Yeah, never died. Yeah, he got off and was just like, yes, But his this. captain, who would yeah. sacrifice himself, do anything for the order, drove right into an iceberg. Went down with his ship. The Federal Reserve was installed as part of the Federal Reserve Act in December of 1913. And uh, roughly like a year and eight months after the Titanic tragedy um, and uh, World War I, less than a year later, so eight months yeah. later after the establishment of the Federal Reserve, here we have a, a, a Great World War. So it's interesting to think that uh, these conspiracy theorists are somehow tying in the Federal Reserve, the establishment of the Federal Reserve Bank, and uh, that led to the funding of, uh, of, the, of the, sec- or the First World War. Yeah. But what's, what's interesting to me is why these conspiracy theorists and people who are perpetuating this myth would feel that sinking a ship was an economical way to eliminate these enemies. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't there another way to do it? Well, yeah. Would you not just go and like poison their fish suppers? Yeah. Be like, or, he, the man has had a heart attack. Or shoot them or something. I mean, the yeah. other thing too, not everybody on the Titanic died. So no, they didn't. There could have been a chance that these three guys survived. I mean, there's a lot of room for error when you're sinking a fucking ship. Well, didn't um. 
was it Strauss who got offered the uh, the Macy's guy? Oh yeah, and I think wife. he was just like, no, the they... woman should live. Yeah, no, she got offered a place on the boat, and she was like, I am much too old. Offer it to the young, and they just went back to their room, and they like they drowned in their room. But yeah, I mean, there, but there's a mm. good chance. I mean, it's there's such a high margin of error in this. Like sinking all boat to kill yeah. three guys. First, if you they were first class guys as well, so you know that the first class people all got offered well, spaces. Yeah, we're probably much. gonna yeah. we're gonna survive, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the other thing too. Government conspiracies to eliminate targets rarely have like this wide of a range of error. You know, they don't take chances on these people no, they living. Do not. You know, yeah. they'd send out like James Bond to mm-hmm. to to finish the deal. You know, he would have yeah. done it. Would have been easy. Oh, he totally would have done it. There would have been a great V8 Ford car chase as well, I would imagine. It's just really spurious for me to, to like, the connection of most conspiracy theories are, are pretty yeah. thin. But the fact that uh, they could say, like, okay, this the Rothschilds orchestrated this whole thing to kill these three guys to establish the bank so then now they can start a world war. Mm-hmm. It just seems it's also easy to very see skeptical. Why- why three of the richest men would be on this luxurious liner because people forget that the Titanic was groundbreaking. It was groundbreaking in engineering, in design, in beauty. It was going to be the fastest way that one could get from Europe to America. So you can see why three of the wealthiest men in the world would be there for its virgin voyage. I mean, so that's yeah. easy was, to describe. Yeah. It was a, you know, it was a, it was a veritable floating palace. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was everybody, so, and it was like, yeah, but I mean, it was like, in vogue, hard to be on him. Everybody wanted to be on this, on this ship. Yeah. And I mean, J.P. Morgan, um, you know, the shipping line, the White Star Line, was bought out by an American named John Pierpont Morgan, J.P. Morgan. And uh, he was a businessman that had companies all over the U.S. and began to branch out. And so when he got into the shipping business, um, you know, it was it was kind of a huge deal. Mm-hmm. You know, the uh, what's interesting is, IMM was established, and then Morgan began buying up shipping lines, and that's and White Star Line, which existed before, was among them. And the chairman of White Star Line, Bruce J. Bruce Ismay, was not thrilled that the company his father started had been bought out. But with a large bank account from J.P. Morgan at their disposal, you know, the White Star Line was going to be huge. Um, however, tragedy struck when the Titanic sunk on the maiden voyage. But was it, was it an accident? Isn't that kind of weird that this guy is starting this new shipping company and he's buying out all these different shipping lines and this is supposed to be like the most technologically advanced ship in the world, but it sinks its ma- on its maiden voyage? Mm-hmm. Who also, who was booked to, uh, to, to be in the most luxurious cabin? J.P. Morgan. Who canceled last minute? J.P. Morgan. He's so suspicious. Milton Hershey. Um, who, uh, Ooh, the candy gun, the ca- world, candy he started man. the world's famous chocolate bar. I mean, he just, yeah. yeah, like he built, you know, he created that company. He was also booked to be on the Titanic, but canceled last minute. Oh, good. Wouldn't that have been sad if the candy man had died? Yeah, no, God, Hershey made so much good. It's okay. The Jews candy. died, but nobody wants the candy man to die. <laughs> I wonder Hershey might've been Jewish. I don't know. No, he probably yeah. wasn't actually, but, uh, according to the conspiracy theory, Morgan warned Hershey about the, what's going to happen to the Titanic, so the chocolate man decided to take his friend's advice and hold off and uh, cancel his reservation. Um, most of the wealthy passengers on the Titanic opposed the Federal Reserve System. 
Okay. So I mean, there are the three Common very trend well, there are the three yeah. very prominent men, but there are a lot of other wealthy men on that ship. You know that also mm-hmm. opposed the establishment of the Federal Reserve Bank. Guess who all died? All the wealthy men. You know, it's another interesting another uh, connection here. Did J.P. Morgan read a novella called Futility? So in 1898, so this has been what, like 14 years before the sinking of the Titanic, a man named Morgan Robertson wrote a book that has been called a psychic prediction to the sinking of the uh, RMS Titanic. His book involves some very rich and powerful men going down on an unsinkable ship on her maiden voyage. Mm-hmm. Many similarities to the book. A lot of conspiracy theorists feel that J.P. Morgan was inspired by the events in the novel, especially the part about the world's richest and most powerful people that were doomed to die aboard the Titan, which was the name of the ship in the book. Um, so this Wasn't book- that the ship before the White, before Titanic? Didn't White Star Line actually have a ship called Titan? Yeah, uh, no, they had a ship called the Olympic. It was another That's- one. But yeah, Sorry. people say that there's a switcheroo. I'll get to that in a second. But Ooh. this book, uh, Futility, or The Wreck of the Titan, was published 14 years before the Titanic sank, a decade before any construction began. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it basically is the same story. You know, it's about the Titan is a, is a fictional British ocean liner. It sinks in the North Atlantic after striking an iceberg. And, uh, and all these rich and wealthy, powerful people died on the ship. Um, very, very many similarities though, to the Titanic. Not only that, the, uh, there are not enough lifeboats for the passengers. Um, there are similarities in size. I mean, yeah. They're almost the exact same size. And same speed, and the sinking hit an iceberg. So many people think that uh, J.P. Morgan might have been influenced or inspired. I mean, he's a member of the Illuminati. You know, maybe this is a good way. The first time that somebody would be inspired by literature, is it? You know, maybe this is a good way to uh, take care of all those people who are against the uh, the Federal Reserve. Now, we kind of went over the Rothschilds connection because obviously I kind of want to somehow connect this to the Jews. But there are a lot of other conspiracy theories besides just, you know, the Federal Reserve and uh, J.P. Morgan. Yeah, with the sinking of the Titanic. Uh, What we were just talking about, the Olympic, it was a switch and sink. So (laughs) the Olympic was the original uh, ship um, Mm -hmm. that was was owned by the White Star Line um, that J.P. Morgan bought. It turns out the Olympic, which is almost identical to the Titanic in size and luxury, had been involved in a collision with a Royal Navy cruiser, the HMS Hawk. And so it had been out of work because they were trying to repair it. And because the, the collision was deemed the Olympics' fault, Lloyds of London refused to pay out any insurance. So they oh, denied the claim. insurance scam. Yeah. yeah. It was a big, massive insurance scam that went wrong. So what they did, because the Titanic was running behind schedule, mainly because the Olympics returned to the yard and that they were trying to fix this, this ship, uh, they, uh, J.P. Morgan was like, well, let's do a little switcheroo. Mm-hmm. Let's take the Olympic and say this is the Titanic. And, uh, you know, we just run, you know, run this right into an iceberg, sink it, and we'll get our insurance money. It's a bit of an insurance scam. However, would work. Well, yeah. however, conspiracy theorists are overlooking that the Titanic cost $7,500,000. It was insured for $5 million. So if you're oh. going to sink the ship, <laughs> Wouldn't you want to at least get an insurance policy that it's worth the same value of the if ship not itself? More. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, there are other, another insurance related scam here is that it was targeted uh, and sunk by a U boat, a German U boat. But the Germans were uh, 
in on it and they're hired to do it and we're paid a portion of the insurance policy. Of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. This one's kind of weird too, the missing binoculars. Ooh. Yeah, there's rumors that uh, the Titanic sank because of a simple case of they just didn't have the keys to the binocular cabinet, so they didn't see the icebergs because no one could see because no one had binoculars. <laughs> All the lookouts were like, ah, we had no idea. But keep in mind, it happened at night. So are you going to see a fucking iceberg at night? Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not down for that one. No, it doesn't make oh, any I've sense. I've lost my key. I could break the cabinet, but that would ruin the beauty of this ship. Yeah, it's, I it also doesn't do make, my job with my eyes. It yeah. also doesn't make sense that no one on this fucking ship had a pair of binoculars, you know? Yeah. Um, this is my favorite one, The Curse of the Mummy. Um, yeah, this is my favorite one, too. Yeah, so on board the ship was Lord Canterville, a historian who was traveling with a sarcophagus containing the mummy of, of an Egyptian priestess Amon Ra. And because of its value, the sarcophagus was placed near the bridge as opposed to the cargo hold. And because the mummy was so close to the bridge where the officers were, the curse affected Captain Smith and his judgment. And it was the curse of the mummy that caused him to slip into a sort of madness that made him like speed up the Titanic, run at full steam, right and ignoring all the ice warnings right into an iceberg. The mummy's madness. Yeah, yeah I love that. I wish that was true. Well, there was no mummy on it's the not. Titanic. No <laughs> yeah. But that mummy does exist, and it's in um, the British Museum. You oh, can go really? Visit it. I, yeah. I didn't know that, actually. Yeah. Um, this is another interesting thing a lot of people don't know. But uh, the Titanic's flare guns fired white flares. Red, obviously, is the emergency standard. You know, other colors were used for identification, like the white equals white star line. So when the Titanic was sinking, the crew fired her flare guns, but they were all white flares. And so other ships, like the Californian, which is only about six miles away from the stricken vessel, was like, ah, it's, they're not in distress. It's just a white flare. They're just saying, hey, we're the Titanic. Yeah. White Star Lines. So um, they claim that, the, uh, that the, the, the box that contained the red flares was taken off the ship. By who? Father Brown or J.P. Morgan. Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. Well, the ship actually sank because it did hit an iceberg, and they did. Yeah. Uh, they dismissed iceberg warnings. You know, they're in the middle of the night. They're, they definitely knew that there were icebergs there, and uh, ignored several warnings about it. Uh, the ship was traveling at a very high speed. Uh, there were problems with the materials that were actually used to build the ship itself. Yeah, it was I, a I, design flaw, wasn't there? Yeah, the, the steel rivets. sheet that yeah. was used to make the body was made up of a certain kind of steel that became extra brittle in the cold and easily cracked mm-hmm. at the slightest of contact. So Yeah, that's that's the type of thing you want to make your steel ship out of. You want to make it out of weak steel. <laughs> they obviously didn't test it. Uh, yeah. so yeah, and also uh, there was, you know, the a shortage of lifeboats. You know, the, they had lifeboats that could only accommodate 1200 people and there were over 2000 passengers. Yeah. So the lifeboats were actually used improperly and not adequately filled and crewed after the ship yeah. uh, hit hit the iceberg. Um, people claim uh, there's, you know, they could have, uh, they took a wrong turn, like a, a hard a starboard. The turn the ship hard starboard was passed down the line after sighting the iceberg. Iceberg, and what happened? The steersman misinterpreted it as to make the ship turn right, moving the ship directly into the path of the iceberg. Right. And then finally, lookouts had no binoculars, which we said before. But yeah, there you go. So I mean, there's several reasons. Like, uh, you know, a whole cavalcade of errors 
comedy of errors that caused this ship to sink. Was it the Jews? Was yes. it the Jews' lasers? Yes, definitely. <laughs> lasers, it was the Jews. I'm convinced upon it. I think it was the Jews that used their lasers to sink the Titanic. There you go. Mm-hmm. You can see, like, if you look up at that star over on the left left corner right there, it's actually a laser that's coming down. Oh, is that that you helped design? Yeah. So it's, when they well, send out my the family. newsletter to you guys every month, you, they must tell you about this stuff ahead of time, about Operation Scorchio and Operation Sinkio. And Operation Destroy the Twin Towers, yo. Yeah, yo. So <laughs> you think steel yo. any politician who's perpetuating like thoroughly debunked 200-year-old mess, making just these insane and anti-Semitic accusations would be completely ridiculed by everyone, including leaders in her party, and possibly like expelled from Congress for this. I mean, these are racist anti-Semitic accusations. Here's, here she is. But Marjorie Green has been promoted, added to the House Budget Committee and the House Committee on Education and Labor. What? Yes, as a freshman. And Leader McCarthy, um, Leader McCarthy has praised her. She's been lightly censured by GOP leaders. A House GOP leader is, uh, is uh, Kevin McCarthy. He said when people asked, well, what do you think about these comments about you know, uh, Parkland Massacre? Jew space lasers and things like that. He goes, these comments are deeply disturbing. And, uh, you know, we plan to have a conversation with her about them. Just and so anyway, yeah, after hearing this, here's, uh, here's what Green had to say. This is on Friday. The radical left-wing Democrat mob and the fake news media are trying to take me out, trying to censor me. So she's, you can see her mask is censored. I will never back down. I will never give up. More MAGA reinforcements are on the way. Watch out. So there you go. What I'm looking forward to is what she's going to blame on the Jews next. Like what? The the Full House sequel? Have you seen that? Fuller House? It was the Jews. We did it. Keeping up with the Kardashians, why it's on like season 14? The Jews. Oh, no, they're can- no but they got canceled now and they got canceled oh, re- because of the Jews. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. The Jews. Mm-hmm. What about the music of the Black Eyed Peas? Probably the Jews. Totally the Jews. We, we definitely did that. Definitely was, the Jews. You know, COVID-19. The it's Jews. probably a Jewish bat. I think the Jews it probably put Jewish, the bats there. Jewish you know? blood mixing with the guy blood, and that's what happened. The list goes on and on. So anyway, we'll have to see. Uh, people, this is episode 776 here Sick and Wrong. We have some new stories coming up next. We have some phone calls a little later in the show. But first, here's a word about our Patreon page. Hey, Sick and Wrong listeners, if you're not currently a Sick and Wrong patron, you might be missing out on special moments like this one. If you start dating a guy, and he was a good-looking guy like Army Hammer, who's a billionaire. He's not good-looking, but let's go on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but he's got a ton of money. makes him more attractive. If this For guy's sure. like, mm-hmm. I'm into cannibalism. Like, I want to eat your menstrual eggs. He wants to eat my menstrual eggs, as in the eggs that are coming out with my period. Yes. Or does he want to go inside and like harvest my eggs? Both. He wants to do both. I would, if he wants to harvest my eggs, I'm not going to do that because he might use them to make golems. I'm not down for that. Uh, if he wants to eat my period, like fucking sure, why not? What what man hasn't licked a woman out on a period? So you're he cool with the guy eating your tampons. You can't eat a tampon, can you? You can just suck it like a lollipop. Ask Marshall Island Tony. 
Yeah, I'm sure he's eaten this at least three. This is a question for Marshall Tony. <laughs> for only $5 a month, you can enjoy these special moments. A bonus news story, extra phone calls, and an hour's worth of outtakes every week at patreon.com slash sickandwrong. Sign up today, support the show, and keep it sick and wrong. But don't you ever... So the first story we have here has to do with a murderous mother who um, who uh, murdered her whole family and herself. Ugh. Murder-suicide in West Virginia. I was not strong enough to fight these demons. Mom fatally shoots five kids and sets house on fire before turning the gun on herself. So West Virginia mother here left behind a series of handwritten notes addressing the mental health demons that she was battling before shooting her five kids, setting the, the house on fire, and then turning the gun on herself. Um, Greenbrier County Sheriff Bruce Sloan said in a press conference that authorities had determined 25-year-old Oriana Myers murdered her children on December 8th, less than an hour after helping two of the children get off the school bus. So she picked her kids oh. up off the bus and then murdered them, and then she burned the family's home to the ground and then walked over to a picnic table and blew her head off with a shotgun. Only 25, and she has five kids. Well, uh, two of the kids were, I think two of the kids were from, uh, or stepkids, and then three were biologically right. hers. But yeah, mm-hmm. still, it's kind of young. That's, yeah, that is very young. Are you just implying that she's very loose? She's loose, goose. Um, yeah, pretty much I'm to have five kids by the age of 25. Like, you know. Close your legs at night. I guess I was wrong here. She had three biological children. Right. Yeah. Three years pregnant. Um, mm-hmm. Three biological children at the age of 25. Kian Myers, four. Nova Myers, three. And Hiken Jirachi Myers, Ooh, one. Hiken. Yeah. And uh, two yeah. older stepkids, Sean Bumgarner, seven, and Riley James Bumgarner, six. Um, yeah. So, yeah, she shot all five of them before she set the blaze around 3.30 p.m. on December 8th that destroyed the home. What I want to know is what's up with these fucking names? Nova is a car, isn't it? As soon as you said Nova, I just thought that's a car. But Kayan, Hiken Jirachi, that sounds Hiken. like a condiment. Hiken wins. Sounds like something from Mortal Kombat. Or, or no, a Street Fighter. Haruken. Yeah, Haruken. Yeah, it sounds but like yeah, that. But, yeah, it's like, so, you know... I'm reading this, and I was just it made me think of my own sister and her kid. She's my sister has been nixing every name suggestion I come up with, and I've been giving her fucking good names. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know why. Like, she, I think she's like leaning towards one of these modern contemporary names, and I'm trying to dissuade oh, no, her from doing she? this by no. giving her well, giving her my ideas for names. I think she should name her kid an old Yiddish name, like Shmuel. Hotskull. Doodle. Doodle. That's a great name. Doodle. It's like dude with an L. Doodle. Yeah, like doing a doodle. I'm going to doodle you. I'm going to doodle this. Are you saying diddle? No, doodle. A doodle is a drawing. Oh, no, it's D-U-D-E-L. It's doodle. Oh, like a dude. No, that's a terrible name. I like it. Herschel, Hyman, Moisha. Hyman. Hyman's a great name. It's making a comeback. Hymans can't actually come back, but whatever. No, it's Hyman, not with it's Hyman with an A, H Y M A N, Hyman. 
Um, the same way, baby. Velvel. 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 Yeah, Velvel. these are all classic Yiddish names. Yudel, Zevia. I think these are great names. She's being Yudel. so she's being so restrictive of it. You know, she told Is me. She? Yeah, like, I mean, I know it's her kid, but I mean, <laughs> but seriously, I'm good at naming things. I named Caliban my cat, Caliban. Hecubus, it's a great name. Yeah, um, it's a great name. Of them are, neither of them are Yiddish. No, those aren't. I, you know, I'm probably gonna my next cat. I'll probably give it a Yiddish name because I, I really like the old. Although Yiddish Just names to scratch I, that itch. Yeah. yeah, but I think Yiddish names are making a comeback. I think it's a new thing. I mean, people are like giving their kids weird names like Nova or Apple or Kayan, mm. you know, or whatever. My, my sister's leaning towards Cash if it's a boy. Yeah, I'm not into that. Dolly, if it's a girl, which I do like Dolly. Dolly's okay, but is she ever going to be respected being called Dolly? Dolly Parton is. Dolly Parton is, but that's Dolly Parton. How many uh, of the famous Dollies can you ma- name? Well, I don't know. I mean... There you go. But Dolly Parton is Dolly Cash Parton's is just enough. a bit too much like cash money, yo. I yeah, it's cash, cash with a dollar money. sign for the S. Yeah, it's just a bit like it's it, be a would, trap it would be cool if they lived in Montana and owned a ranch, and their son was going to be a cowboy called Cash. Then it's cool, but he's going to be a little San Francisco boy called Cash. It's different. I agree with you. It should be mm. Shmuel or Shmuley. Shmuley. No, I like I like Frankie or Ricky. Frankie Wilson, Ricky Wilson. Yeah. That's a cool kid. Not nearly as good as Doodle or Schmoil Doodle. or uh, Hyman. <laughs> Hyman I'm Wilson. Better, just, just admit I'm better at naming things than you. Um, okay. Her husband and father of, the, of four of the kids, Brian Bumgarner, had been staying at his father's house for the week to be closer to his work after the family's vehicle was deemed inoperable following an accident. Um, let's see. Do you, do you have a picture? Do I, have, do I give you a picture? Of, uh, oh, yes, he did, of these sorry. two. So here, Oriana looks as considered, she's not that much younger actually than Brian. Brian's like in his 30s. Mm-hmm. But you can tell that they're they're breeding road scholars, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> but there you are. There's oh. Oriana who had, uh, you know, committed the murder suicide. And there's Brian who's now single. Um, and Very no longer, single. And no longer dating a psycho. He will also be poor now because, you know, funerals cost a lot of money and he's got to pay for six of them. Well, this guy could do a hell of a GoFundMe, guaranteed. Oh, yeah. That's you know, for this story. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, Brian got a note here that was left um, c- titled, My Confession. And here's the, the, the first line of the note said, I shot all the boys in the head. I set the house on fire and I shot myself in the head. Not the nice. type of Dear John letter you ever want to receive. Um, and this is a note that was just one of a series of messages that she left behind in a Ziploc bag that was attached with duct tape to the passenger side mirror of the family's inoperable vehicle. Um, one of the notes says, to whomever finds this first, you'll need to call Brian Bumgarner because he's the husband and the father. Uh, the note also directed authorities to contact Raven Bumgarner who is the biological mother of the two kids, mm-hmm. of two of the children. You know, she's covering all the bases here. Oh, yeah. You know? like, first of all, I'm amazed that Brian over here would ever leave the kids alone with this woman because she's got to have a history. You don't just, like, all of a sudden one day shoot five kids in the head and then kill yourself. She probably 
have been giving hints to being insane, and this guy is just clueless. I think you're missing over the bigger point here, which is Raven is a cool as fuck name. Raven Wilson. Or guarantee. Boy or girl. Guarantee she was a stripper. <laughs> a Don't you think so? Raven? Yeah, no, it's I've Raven. worked with many yeah. goth goth uh, strippers named Raven. Cool name. Um but yeah, I'm amazed that he would ever leave the kids alone with this psycho. Uh the other note said uh Oh, to the mom, to Raven. She wrote a note that was directly to Raven. Said, tell her I'm sorry. This is no one's fault but my own. My demons won me over, and there's no going back now. Sorry I wasn't strong enough to fight off them. Thank you. And the, sign, the note was signed OAM, which are initials. Hugs and kisses, guys. <laughs> Shot all the boys in the head. Hugs and kisses. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wish she would have gone into detail about the type of demons she was facing. Like, were they the type of demons that David Berkowitz was facing? Or are hers maybe not real? Well, I think they're depression demons is what I think they are. Yeah. Uh, Raven responded to the New York Post by saying Myers wanted to take everything from Brian. She didn't just want to hurt Brian. She hurt everybody. She took his kids. She hurt me. She hurt everybody. This wasn't mental illness. This was planned. So I question that because she's beyond a doubt mentally ill. But yes. this murder-suicide was meticulously planned. Mm-hmm. And, it seems that way. And I'll explain, I'll explain why here. So by the driver's side floorboard of the car, there is another note in a Ziploc bag that was addressed to uh, Brian. She said, XOXOXO. I'm so sorry, Brian. I was not strong enough for you or this family. My head's so fucked. I'm sorry for my evil crime. I was not strong enough to fight the demons. Snap, crunch, boom. So depressed. My heart's numb. My soul's completely shattered. I'm sorry I failed you. I'm sorry I failed our handsome boys. And the, the note also had a bloody fingerprint at the bottom and signed OAM. I mean, she's a fan of that, isn't she? Hugs and kisses. Hugs and kisses. You you think it's like that's not the proper time to use that salutation? Yeah. You know, maybe like maybe don't put emojis at the bottom of this letter. Yeah, just put like sincerely. I mean, she could have just signed it off with the bloody fingerprint, and that would have been enough. That would have been much cooler. Yeah, she obviously suffered from severe mental health issues, but I kind of agree with Raven. You know. I'm kind of agreeing with Raven too. I also think this note's a little passive aggressive. It is a bit. It is a bit. Yeah. All right, you can close this out. I can't even stop looking at him. (laughs) (laughs) Is it his uh, his face? It's that smirk. He's got this like weird smirk. I'll put the picture on the website, people, so you can see it. But he's got this like weird kind of wry smirk. That's just bothering me. Um, (laughs) Sheriff Sloan said authorities were called to the family's home. Uh, just after 3.30 p.m., after neighbors reported seeing a fire. Uh, they arrived a few minutes later to find the, fo- the home fully engulfed in flames and Meyer's body lying on a picnic table uh, with a gunshot wound to the head. She was wearing a coat with a hood and had a red line drawn across her face from the bridge of her nose underneath and underneath her eyes that went from ear to ear. So it's but like kind a of makeup like a- line or blood. Well, that's the thing. It just said it was like a red line. But, you know, I, I, looked at, I was thinking about it when I was picturing this, and I was thinking, is this like Pennywise's makeup? <laughs> like, was she trying to look like Pennywise? 
I'm sure the child, I'm sure the, well, I'm sure the kids love it when she dresses up as Pennywise. She was putting her war paint on, wasn't she? She's was going in to do a massacre. Put your war paint on. Was like, I kind lipstick? of agree with her. I would not be caught dead outside the house without makeup on. So you know, she's killing herself outside. You're going to put makeup on because you're going outside. Well, and she had to pick up the kids from the bus. Uh, investigators that. also discovered a shotgun nearby, which, once again, Brian, why are you keeping loaded firearms in the house with a, you know, with crazy person here? Yeah, you know, she's he's, obviously uh, he's got big insane. brains. Yeah, this guy yeah. is clueless. He really is. Um, so around 2.30, Myers walked to the bus stop. This is about an hour before the blaze. She walked to the bus stop to uh, pick up two of her kids, Sean and Kian. Normally, she would uh, make general conversation with the bus driver. Uh, but this time, she showed up at the bus stop alone without her other kids and did not speak to the bus driver at all. When investigators reviewed the video, you could see Myers with the same unusual red line drawn across her face. And her son, Kion, was like, or Kian, I don't even know how to say this kid's name. When he was getting off the bus, you could hear him asking his mom, what is that red on your face? Is that blood? You know what it, it is? It's because she really likes Adamant. Ooh, maybe that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Just channeling Adamant. Uh, she allegedly replied that she drew on myself before she, she grabbed them by the hand, turned to walk to the family's home. In the days leading up to the murders, her mental health had been spiraling and appeared to be punctuated by her, her husband's decision to stay um, with his brother and father during the week so that he could get a ride to work each day because the family's only vehicle that they had was damaged. Obviously, I don't think, I think money was probably an issue here. Well, yeah, it also makes sense, doesn't it? If, you, if your only car is out of action, what are you going to do? Yeah, you've got to get, get to work, you know? Yeah. Um, he was returning home on the weekends. but she, So here, um, Oriana was having to raise these five kids pretty much by herself. I'm assuming she didn't work. She must not have. If she's you know, there, or if she did work, she only worked a couple of hours in the morning. She might have had an Etsy store with her somewhere. drawings. Yeah. Her drawings. Her, her um, doodles. Yeah, her doodles. Uh, Sheriff Sloan said that the, uh, the arraignment had Myers obviously upset with this arrangement, the whole um, him staying with his father and, and, and coming to see her on the mm-hmm. weekends. Um, Myers was obviously upset about it. And uh, she shared many uh, text messages that she had sent her husband in the days leading up to the death. So here's one of the. So this is before she shot five kids in the head and lit the uh, the house on fire. She was sending clueless Brian texts like this: "Don't worry about this piece of shit anymore. You won't have nothing to come back to but a corpse. You are choosing money over my depression. That just shows I truly am a piece of shit. No one cares." Why should I? Okay. Another message said that while money will come and go, there's no replacing me and the kids. At that point, I probably have been like, you know, I think I'm going to go home and check on her. You know, maybe yeah, drop the like, kids off, you know, at, at their mom. At Ravens. Yeah, but, Ravens. You know, she's obviously a stripper, so she's got to work nights, but we can work something out. But my first reply would have been that to that passive aggressive text message would have been like, you're acting like a piece of shit. Well, there you go. Now, now there's yeah. now there's not going to be five days. Boom, She's boom, just going to murder boom. the kids. Yeah, good job. <laughs> she is, isn't she? She is. Way to push like her over shit. the point. Well, I'd be like, who puts the food on this table and pays the bills on this? Who's paying the bill for the car? Who like keeps you essentially alive? That's me and money. 
He so, he did yeah. he did say that though eventually. Um, oh, did he? Me but and yeah, Brian, but I mean, but the fact of the matter is, this guy's getting you know days before the murder, he's getting text messages like this, and he's not doing anything. I would have mm-hmm. been going over to the house and just making sure everything's copacetic. You know, yeah. you gotta you gotta make sure everything's copa. Um, she says, "No, you're too busy worried about money." Exactly why I keep telling myself, "Why bother?" I cry for help, but I never get it. You're worried about missing work. Money, money, money. And then just like another text message, it was just money, 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 money. <laughs> oh, my God. I do not like this girl. I wish she's like, don't, she shouldn't have killed the kids, but I'm glad she's dead. Well, yeah. Um, I think he's better off. However, it sucks that five kids off. are dead. Um, yeah. Sloan said there was no evidence that Myers had tried to get outside help at all for her mental health struggles before she killed the boys. Mm-hmm. And as I said, you know, the husband's obviously clueless to the situation. He, once you get messages like this, you, you should be a little more proactive. At least, like, call her mom and be like, hey, you got to deal with this. Like, she's yeah. getting crazy. You know, or she's the neighbors sending me, like, be like, can you go and check on her every day or something like that? Yeah, there's I mean, things you could do. My she, first thing would be, like, I'm taking the kids to my dad's. Well, she could have been an attentive mother. I mean, yeah. obviously, she has, you know, well, I mean, obviously, she has a lot of problems. You know, I wonder what her biological kids said to the step siblings like do you think they're like well every tuesday and thursday 68 p.m she crawls around naked on the you know on all fours wearing this pennywise makeup just just lock yourself in your room deadbolt the door you'll be fine you know just what she does guys that's that's just her thing And, and, and one more thing you know just don't eat her homemade chocolate pudding it's not chocolate all right, just just a word of warning here. Like, I, I wonder what they told him, you know. Um, so she did. She sent another text message to Brian that said, "Can't have kids if they ain't around. I don't care anymore. Can't have me if I'm not around. Fuck it. I hope all the money's worth it." Um, Brian often, re- bitch, yeah. Brian often yeah. responded, explaining that he needed to keep his job so he could pay for the family's bills, rent, and food. You know. And they he's have got five, five kids. kids. Yeah. Five kids, yeah. He sounds like he's being responsible, and she's just trying, she's selfishly putting her needs. Because you know what? If you're not happy, if you're mental, just get yourself out of the situation, love. You don't have to kill the kids. I'm thinking the guy's not making that much money either. No, where do you think he worked? Do you think he worked at, like, GameStop? <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, like, something like GameStop or, like, an auto parts store or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he looks like he could be, like, a cook in Burger King. Yeah, it's like... yeah. You know, there were Denny's or something like that. But um, mm. uh, so one day before the murders, though, he did call 911 because he became increasingly concerned when he couldn't reach his wife and he requested a welfare check. However, later he got a hold of her, found out everything was fine. And he canceled the 911 call. Right. Uh, the sheriff here said that the investigation of the deaths is now closed. Um, all five of the children's bodies were recovered from the charred remains of the home. After days of tireless searching by the authorities. So there you go. The kids are the real victims here. Yeah, totally. All five of these kids lost their lives. You know, the, that is the bad news, that all, all these kids are dead. But the good news is, Brian's single now. He's not married to an insane person, and he doesn't have the kid baggage. So I think it'll be a lot None easier. None of the kid baggage. Yeah, you know, I think it'll be uh, a lot easier for him to get laid on Tinder. Yeah, for any woman who is interested in dating Brian, I would say give it about three years because he's just going to put all this emotional baggage on you. So give it about three years and yeah. then go and find Brian. 
Yeah, I was wondering about that. Talk about bringing baggage into the next relationship. When would you tell your new girlfriend about your about all this about that the happened? Past. Yeah. Um, yeah. Would you do it? I think you'd have to do it first date, wouldn't you? You would you'd do it like, first well, date at the Olive Garden. You at just... the Olive Garden, as the breadsticks are flowing in, you'd be like, "Well, this is this is certainly going better than my last relationship." <laughs> <laughs> when she was like, "So, do you have any kids?" Well, funny thing about my kids. Let me tell you a story here. Um, I have five kids in heaven. Mental health is serious, though, and and especially during like you know COVID this, times. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. People have lost their jobs. They're spending a lot more time with their fam- forced to spend a lot more time with their family. Mm-hmm. You know, kids. I the breaking point would for me would be like kids are home all day. I work with people that you know. Me, I'm just being bothered by my cat. But meanwhile, you're in a you're in a meeting with someone. You just hear these kids screaming, and they're just like, oh, "I gotta go deal with this." Hold on a second. So I mean, it's it it's gotta be difficult. It's a difficult time right now. But the main thing is just don't ignore your or ignore the signs. If your wife is dressing up as Pennywise and texting <laughs> you things like, "You won't have nothing to come back to but a corpse," maybe it's time to go seek professional help. You know? Yeah, I think he did try his kind of best, though. So obviously, you know, it's clueless. And the authorities, yeah, he was clueless because you just don't think that type of thing will happen. You don't think she would be so selfish as to kill the children. Maybe she would kill herself over a depression, but not the children. You just wonder, can't predict that type of stuff. I wonder if he was into the uh, the red line, like Pennywise makeup. Adam, I'm going with Adam Man. Yeah, same diff. What do you have here for the second story? Now, the second story is kind of long. But let me tell you, it's a doozy. It's a doozy. It's a doozy of a story. And the, the headline reads, Woman strangles and buries sister's boyfriend in twisted incest murder plot so sister could marry her own father. Whoa. What a headline. It's yeah, brilliant. that's a hell of a headline there. Of course, this story can only happen in America. <laughs> a North Carolina woman. <laughs> oh, not Florida, food. huh? No, not Florida, North Carolina, which is still just as redneck, with a gruesome description of the torture and ultimate death of a Minnesota man. There you go, that's my Minnesota accent. The Bluefield Daily Telegraph reports that Anna Marie Chowdhury, 33, accepted a plea deal days before her trial was about to begin. According to the court documents, Chowdhury pleaded guilty to second-degree murder in connection with the death of John Thomas Maguire, 38. The incident began in February 2019 when the victim traveled with his girlfriend, Amanda McClure, from Minnesota with plans to go to West Virginia. So Anna McClure is um, Cloud Harry's sister. That's how they're related. Okay. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. a number of characters in this. I'm, I'm gonna oh, sh- God. Yeah. I'm going to share. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to share the screen real quick so you can see who all the, the main players are here. <laughs> Just some real good-looking people involved yeah. in this story. <laughs> some real lookers. Yeah, it's just his best. Put your sister to the test. <laughs> you need to tell me how John was killed and what your involvement was, Judge Ed Cornish told Chowdhury during the Hog Court hearing. So Chowdhury testified that she lived with her father and Ander McClure in Skygusty. She had never met the victim prior to him to come into their home, she said at the time. Anna McClure, Larry McClure, and Maguire, and Maguire. Guess what? They were all heavy meth users. Don't they all look like they use meth? Just everybody in this picture here. Apart from like that girl who's, she must weigh 300 pounds. 
She's a big lady. Isn't yeah, she? meth isn't really a. It isn't very like a good dietary uh, no. um, supplement for her, but for the others. Yeah, the others, especially the guy with the uh, that looks like the Vato, um, <laughs> like motorcycle guy. Yeah, yeah. He he looks like he's using meth. So the following week, Amanda McClure and Magaya made a bad batch of meth, and it put Larry McClure in a quiet rage. Larry McClure then started acting strange and talking to Amanda in private. And at one point, um, Cloud Harry noticed that the suspects were hiding a rope. Well, I wonder what a bad batch of meth is. It's just not effective, or does it taste bad? I think does it's it probably give one you the shits. Like, the... what is what's a bad yeah. batch of meth? Isn't technically all my all meth a bad batch? Well, I don't know. I mean, technically, ain't all <laughs> drugs bad, Simon? Well, I guess it depends on who you ask. This would be a good question for my brother. I'm gonna ask him. Like, what what, what constitutes a bad batch of meth? Yeah, to me, a bad batch is, well, it's like you can smoke different strains of weed and it'll bring out different things in you, won't it? Because it's probably like that. It, you probably got paranoid and like it was just not a good batch. Maybe I imagine like all meth, though, high. makes you paranoid. <laughs> Maybe it makes well, you yeah, paranoid too quickly. Like You don't yeah. get the euphoric sensation for 10 minutes. Mm. You're all of a sudden like, you know, hiding behind your couch with a shotgun because you think like you're the not, shadow yeah. people are outside. You're not collaging. You're yeah. just going straight to the paranoia. <laughs> After Valentine's Day dinner in 2019, Amanda McClure kept an empty wine bowl that McCure had brought while her father announced that he wanted to play a game. I didn't think anything of it after that. Well, when Larry said he wanted to play a game, a trust game, Amanda had been joking about how I'm going Australian, mate. Yeah, about, about how to say, she was where, able where to get out of anything. Here? It's in North Carolina. Uh, North Carolina. She was able to tie herself up, and nobody would believe she could tie herself up that way. It's like how Gacy did it. But hold on a second. What is the game? It's a trust, a trust game. Trust game. With a, with a rope. Uh, yeah. The trust game, it's like, you know, when you do that thing in school where you have to put your arms across your chest and fall back onto someone. So this like is the guy. All right, this is the guy with the uh, bandana on his head. Yes. All right. He's, he was like, okay. I'll, I'll play this game. I'll do that, yeah. And they so this tied trust him up. Game, it eventually led to his feet being bound, and um, the dad was just sitting on the sofa, and he was, like, smiling, having a bit of laugh. So he sat down, and I don't know, it was a grin that I'll never be able to describe. But as John sat up and bent over to untie his feet, it all happened so quick. But Amanda stood up and grabbed that bottle, and he bashed him over the back, and bashed him over the back of the head with it. So and that's the, the fatty. Thing, the fatty did that. No, it's the fatty, not the innocent one. Oh, the fatty's the innocent one? Okay. It's hard to work out which sister did what, which which one married the dad. All kind I'm of assuming that the fat I'm sure I'm assuming that if you're gonna pick between the sisters to to have incest with, you're not gonna pick the fatty one, are you? When you can have the evil one. Yeah, probably not gonna go with the sodbuster. <laughs> sodbuster. That's money. And the next thing I know, John had reared up and he was leaning back against the wall holding his head. And that's when Larry looked at me and told me that if I knew what was best for my children and I wanted them to live, I would follow all instructions that were given to me from that moment on. Wow. So the father really took mm. control of this. He's kind of went all Liam Neeson here. It's like, I got a yeah, special like, set of meth skills. You know, I'm going to like, if you want your children to live, follow my instructions. Yeah, he's very, very demanding and domineering. Child Harry said that her father and sister then tied up, tied up Maguire completely. They pushed him to the floor 
and they stood on him, demanding to know who he was. Wait, that big, huge, fat lady stood on the guy. Well, again, I don't know up. if it's the big, huge, fat lady or the other lady. I think the big, huge, fat lady is the one who's innocent. All right. All right. We're just going to go with that. I'm just saying it's like torture here. It is torture. Chowdhury said that she tried to leave, but her father threatened her and blocked her way. Magaya was pleading for the suspects to stop hurting him, even offering a social security card to prove his own identity. Chowdhury testified that the victim's pleas were ignored. The torture lasted all night until around 6 a.m. the following morning. Chowdhury said that the other suspects then informed Magaya that they were going to inject him with sodium pentanol, a truth sim- serum. Where the hell did they get that? Well, to Can you buy like, that? I think you probably can buy it, but Sodium I would not trust. I would not trust any meth addicts when they're like, "I'm going to inject you with something." I'm like, "What is this, more meth?" Yeah, that's that's definitely something that would uh, raise a few red flags for me. It's just like, all right, these meth addicts have sodium pentothal in the house. I think I'm, or I think I'm hmm. cool. So Amanda McCur filled up two syringes. She told Child Harry, who had previous nursing experience, to inject them into Maguire. At the time. Uh, Child Harry said she didn't know that her sister had actually filled the syringes up with. Ooh. 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 Bad batch of meth. So she injected Maguire, and Amanda McClure said that it would, should be enough to kill him. The injections, however, made Maguire high, and they gave him meth strength. Wow, he has like meth super strength. Yeah. And so I've heard Child- that with PCP. I don't know if it, I didn't know it oh, worked yeah. that way with uh, meth. Does. Yeah, Angel does. Like, people can lift up cars, you know? Well, they obviously did for him in this situation. Wow. It turned into, so, like, a superhero meth X-Man or something. Child Harry's family were then told her, they forced her, and they told her to finish the job. So, Child Harry strangled Maguire with a rope until he was dead. Larry McGlure stood on his back. Child Harry later gathered up Maguire's belongings, and they threw them in a bonfire. I do like the fact that it's a family doing things together. This know? is during COVID times as well. Like, you know, a lot, it's been pushing families together closer. So, you yeah, know, it's a nice little. I bet you none to... of them were wearing masks. Oh, I don't think so either. Yeah. Yeah. Meth users care about the COVID. Yeah, it's a shame. <laughs> um, so she was ordered to bury Maguire, her father ordered her. She followed her family's instructions. She placed him in a garbage bag. And um, they had plans to kind of push him down a mine shaft, but that didn't pan out, didn't work out. So they all participated in digging a grave for him and burying him in the back yard of the Sky Rusty residence. That's what you do, Sky Gusty, sorry. She said after afterwards, her father started having a relationship with Amanda McClure. That's his daughter though, right? That's his daughter. Soon the pair got married. But that's not where it ends, because Amanda McClure insisted that Child Harry, her sister, dig up Maguire to make sure that he was dead. All right. There's a couple things going on here. I think a bad batch of meth makes you marry your daughter. I think number one. And number two, Mm -hmm. it makes you, like, realize after, like, burying this guy for I don't know how long. I mean, he'd been buried. Enough time for the father to start having a relationship with the daughter. And en- marrying enough her. time in marrying her, enough time had passed. Don't you assume by that point he'd be dead, but not on meth? Because on meth, you're like second guessing and doubting yourself and forgetting what you did and then being like, oh, I got to yeah. make sure I got to. It's like being on like, it's like being mega OCD. 
but like I think that's all she was doing. She was exponentially just OCD. Yeah, so she she's like, he might have been buried and cut up in in the garbage bags for the past like six months, but let's just make sure. So they dig him up. So Amanda insisted that she wanted proof that he was actually dead. And they had me uncover the body and started ranting and raving about how she didn't think he was actually dead because the hair on his head was still growing and everything, Chowdhury testified. <laughs> this is big brains time here from these people, from these yeah. North Carolina people. Does your pubic hair continue to grow? What, now? Yes, Dee, because I am pubic. I am... No, I'm no, I'm saying I'm, I can ovulate. <laughs> I'm saying if you're like a corpse, oh, and you, you like, die. Yeah, like your hair grows, your beard grows, like your no, facial well, it's hair your grows. myth. It's a myth that your hair is actually growing. What's happening is your skin is dehydrated of water, so your skin is shrinking, so it looks like your hair is growing. Same with your nails. So yeah, I would imagine it would probably make your pubic hair do that. But you want your skin on your pubic region shrinking. Would be shrinking, so your hair would look longer. Yeah, um, that's. So imagine everybody who died in the 1970s when they died of their big bushes. Massive bush. Massive bushes. Do you want to know another bush. random pubic hair fact? So when you become an old, old person, an old octogenarian, your pubes fall out. Oh, when you're 80, you're bald? You got no, no pubic hair. Do you know this from experience? <laughs> Look. I do like dating some older men, but even that's too far for me. But I have disappeared down dark roots on a Pornhub late at night. Yes. And and the old people. Is that people, what you're asking? Are you talking about men and women don't have pubic hair when they hit the age of 80? You meet no men or women, so you just become fully smooth. So enjoy your pubic hair now, people, while you can, because you're not going to have it when you're older. I need someone to verify this. Do we have any pensioners that listen to the show? If so, octogenarians, yeah. All right. If octogenarians. so, please send pictures of your genitalia to Kate. Kate Rambo at sickmompodcast.com. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I'm happy to receive them. It's in the name of science, and I am a cum scientist, so I will look upon it with uh, impartial eyes. Larry McClure reportedly said that he would deal with Maguire, so this is the dad. So he shoved bed rails and a sledgehammer through the ground and into the victim's body. I don't know if you know this, but that's the only way you can kill a meth zombie. A meth zombie yeah, or a meth bed vampire. Rail and a sledgehammer. Could have been yeah. On March the 11th, Larry and Amanda applied for a marriage license. Father and daughter then married each other. I wonder if it, I bet it was a beautiful ceremony. <laughs> Full of syringes. Is it that easy for a, a father and daughter to, to get a marriage license? Like, don't, don't they kind of do like a, some kind of check, a DNA check or anything? Look here, this is North Carolina. Right. <laughs> oh, God, I didn't think it was that backwoods. Like, personally, really I, I've been to North Carolina. I didn't think it was that backwoods to, to, to have this happen. But okay. So, you know, they did they did what any, any happy couple on their wedding day do. They went home and they shagged. They boshed. Yeah. He de-virginized her. Court records she, indicate sure she was that. a virgin. Oh, and like to put this all off, uh, McClure, the dad, guess what? Let's uh, over-egg this pudding because he's a convicted sex offender. In 1998, he sexually assaulted a young child and he'd spent 17 years in prison. Go figure. I never thought I this know. guy would be a sex offender. Right? Yeah, he sounds like such an upstanding gentleman. So the daughter, the other daughter, the unfuckable daughter, Child Harry eventually escaped from the pair and headed to North Carolina. She then learned that her father had been arrested after he confessed to the murder and he detailed in writing how it happened. And authorities found McGuire's body on September the 24th, 2019. 
It was two to three days of hell, Larry McGlure previously stated. Later that morning, we buried him in a two-foot grave behind the house. Two foot? Well, That's lazy. I think, but yeah, but I think the guy was, wasn't he cut up into garbage bags or did they just wrap his body in garbage they bags? They just wrapped his body oh, okay. in um, bin bags. Hmm. Cornish asked Chowdhury if she understood what she did wrong. She said she did, but she felt she had no other choice after her father threatened to kill her children. I'm going to accept your plea. There are sufficient facts to justify accepting your plea and finding you guilty of second-degree murder. More than enough, I might say, uh, Cornish said, the judge. Hmm. Larry, good old uh, daughter fucking Larry, he was handed uh, a life sentence in August, so he's going to die in jail. He's convicted of first-degree mar- murder without the chance of parole. Amanda, his uh, the, the dad shagger. The incestuous given- daughter. The incestuous daughter yeah. was given a 40-year sentence in prison in October after she pleaded guilty to second-degree murder. And next month, February, the other daughter is going to be scheduled for one. her hearing. The fat one. I'm pretty sure that's how I looked at pictures, um, and that's how I remembered it. Well, there you what go. That's American what happens. Tale. Yeah, that, that is, is an, an American, American story. story. That's an American it story. It happen anywhere else, just North Carolina. That's what America's all about. Today. Bad batch of meth. That's what happens, people. A bad batch of meth. Blame, yeah. You can blame that on anything, can't you? You I murder a vagrant in your house and you marry your daughter. That's Sorry, I happens. can't come to work today. I had a bad batch of meth. Bad batch of meth. Uh, people send your stories, cigarettepodcastgmail.com. We have some phone calls coming up next, 323-522-4032. But first, here's a Valentine's Day message from Adam and Eve. <laughs> Free stuff is the best, but free stuff that will ignite your Valentine's Day is even better. Check this out. When you go to adamandeve.com and select almost any one item, you will get it at 50% off. That's amazing by itself. But here's where they load on the free stuff. When you enter my exclusive code at checkout diddle, not only do you get 50% off one item, you'll also get 10 tantalizing free items. First, for your viewing pleasure, six free movies next a free mystery pack that includes an item for him a special toy for her and something we know you'll both enjoy plus free shipping now that's a lot of free valentine stuff so head on over to adamandeve.com and be sure to use code diddle again that's d-i-d-d-l-e so we got a few phone calls to get to 323-522-4032 um, we're still getting losing uh, virginity horror stories coming nice. in. I think we're going to play them next week. We'll start playing them next week. I probably should have started playing them this week, actually. Oh, well. You live, you learn. Yeah, live, you learn. Anyway, we'll, we'll start playing them uh, next couple weeks. We did get some good ones. We got one that was like particularly horrifying. So, um, but yeah, so anyway, you still have some time. I'm going to start playing them next week. Send your stories. You can email them. You can send them on Facebook. We just want stories of horrifying losing virginity tales. And uh, yeah, I got some prizes. I got like a whole box of Adam and Eve dildos and fleshlights and all sorts of shit. So um, yeah, just send in a humiliating story. And remember, not about getting diddled. That doesn't count. No diddling. Consensual. Consensual sex. Um, Speaking of someone who is definitely a virgin, and I would say probably will never lose their virginity, is uh, this guy. Batman villain here. 
Boner villain. You know that he's guy's back. a virgin. He's I, back. I think, how well, old no, do you no, think? no. He suckles at the teat of his mummy. Doesn't count. No, it doesn't count because it has to be consensual. Yeah, she I don't think it's consensual. It. I think she's sleeping, yeah. and then he pulls out her nipple, and he's like, Betty, I need some Betty for Boner villain. Um, <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> Terrible. How old do you think Boner villain is? Um, definitely a man in his thirties. Yeah, and I don't think he's, he's ever licked old a enough to know better. Yeah, no. he might have kissed a passed out woman before, but maybe. Yeah, but once again, your mom doesn't count. Doesn't count. Definitely not. I'm walking down a fancy street. I own that house. I own that house. I own that house. That house. That house. That house. I'm losing count. Was it like 15 houses? He owns the ha- he owns the fucking street, mate. Yeah. Mm. Imagine having him as your boner. I would be worried though. I think there'd be like little cameras. Did you do you remember? Uh, I don't know if you listened to Second Wrong back then, but we did a story about this landlord. He had like it was like a three three uh, unit house or something, and he yeah. lived in like the back unit. And tenants live in the front two units. And there are these two college girls <gasps> that lived. I remember this story. Do you remember yep. this story? And the girl would have Chinese food that was like in her fridge. And she would eat the Chinese food and she was getting really sick. Like every time she'd eat these Chinese food leftovers, it was like, God, this is like making me sick. And but other leftovers as well. from that restaurant, you dumb bitch. Well, but other leftovers okay. that were in her fridge, she would eat it and food was, was making her ill. And so she took it to like, I don't know, hospital or something get tested and they're like there's feces in your food and so she got a camera like she went to the authorities they put a camera in there oh yeah yeah sh- next step <laughs> sure enough the landlord was like coming into her house while they were at work or at school and he had a tupperware with a turd in it and he would take it out and put it in her chinese food and just like you know stir mix it in it. mix it in and yeah. then she was like you know unbeknownst to her coming home and eating it so and then getting sick Sick of the shit. She was sick of the landlord's shit. I think so. And so Aren't we all. <laughs> if you ask me, what would Boner Villain be like as a landlord? That type. <laughs> I don't think Boner Villain would have the sleuth to do something like that, though. I don't think it would be shit. I think it'd be he, semen. Uh, I think it'd I be think semen. He would also leave like a sweat trail. His clammy yeah, hands on like the door and like open up the fridge and all that. You'd just be like, the landlord's been in here. I can smell that the landlord's been in here. Yeah, you could probably smell. Yeah, I'm sure he has mm-hmm. just like I don't know what what kind of cologne do you think he wears? Like Jacquard Noir or sweat. something? Just just sweat. <laughs> Fuck you. Batman <laughs> villain is so better than you. And Wackbilly, it's my soulmate. Not surprised. Merry Christmas and just be good to each other. Batman villain oh. out. That's very sweet. Yeah, but at Boner villain, it's like a month after Christmas, there, buddy. What a- <laughs> What a sweet ending. Yes. Everyone be good to each other. Just yeah, like but it's a month after Christmas. You can be evil now. Well, yeah. He's evil all year round. Why does he? <laughs> like, be nice on one day. What a nice little story. You can tell he hates me, though, because you didn't wish me a happy Hanukkah. That was you very know? anti-Semitic of him. Very anti-Semitic. Exceedingly, yes. He you must know... think there's a Jewish problem also. Well, Boner Villain, you better watch out for my fucking lasers. You might have homes... I have fucking lasers in space that will destroy your homes, all right? He so owns just multiple streets. Stay on my good side. Them. That's all I'm saying. Laser all his streets. That's what I'm saying.
Good to hear from Boner Villain, though. I was wondering no. what happened to that guy. Yeah, glad not you're still with us, Boner Villain. Yeah, not surprised he loves Lance Wackerly. You know who I think is not a virgin? This next guy. Cool. This next guy is not a virgin. Hello, Sigmund. This is Mental Hospital Bipolar Eddie calling that Bipolar game. Eddie. It's uh, yeah. 5 to 1 in the morning. I couldn't sleep, so I put on the podcast. Heard my call played. Was wow, was pretty much wowed. I was like, wow, they played my, my call so, so, so quickly. Uh, anyway, thanks for the love. Uh, you guys want to hear, I got a lot of stories, but maybe the first story that I'll regale you with is when I first got into the hospital in Pendle Pines. Yeah, Bipolar Eddie called in, and I think mm-hmm. he was telling us like he got committed in the hospital or something. I don't remember when this was, but we asked him to like call in and give us specific incidents, episodes, why you were uh, your 5150. Yeah. From Miami. And I live in like Sarah Show Brain because it was a four hour difference. Okay, so I get into the hospital the first day and meet up with two shot callers. It's like a fucking business and the shot callers are like, Look, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing here. I need some protection. What do I need to do to get protection, you guys? Wait a second. He gets into the hospital and they're giving him shot collars? I th- I had shot collars. I was a bit like they give they put shot collars on people. I thought that was just for wayward dogs. Yeah, but is that how they control, like, people who are committed? They just give you, like, a shot collar, and they just have a, yeah. an iPhone app, and just, bam, and you, you, like, you know, that's it. fall on the ground in a fetal position? That must be how they do it. How would they, that must be how they do it these days. It's a bit kinky. He's, he's making it sound like he's in, like, prison, like, going up to, like, the biggest guys, being like, I need protection. What do I need to do here? Uh, okay, you want protection? Bring us a bag of instant coffee. And that's it. I'm like, what? I bag instant coffee. Uh, That's kind of weird. So you, well, no, so, it's not. When you think about prison rules, coffee, coffee is worth cash. Coffee I thought cash. it was like uh, those little donut things that they do. But I guess this Ooh, isn't prison. Are they this the really powdery hospital. like ones? I've always wanted to try them. You can't get them over here. Are they the hostess donuts? Yeah, I think there's some kind of like hostess donut thing. No, it's I forget what it is. It's like almost like a glazed donut, like a glazed tree, and they. There's a name for them. I forget what they are. Um, Not the biggest. Do you know what we have over here that Americans don't have, which is better than donuts? We have a thing called yum yums. What's a yum yum? A yum yum is kind of like a donut in a stick form. But they yum yum. You're saying it's like a donut on a stick? It's no, no. It's like a glazed, sugary donut, but in in a stick. Yeah, that's called a long john. Oh, what, you guys have them, but you just don't call them a delightful yum-yum? No, they're called, they're called long johns, and they're stuffed with, oh, like, there's, like, custard or cream me. in them. No, 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 ours are just plain, although you can get, like, toffee ones, but the toffee ones aren't as nice as the Did the, Is the toffee inside of it? Um, It depends where you go, because sometimes the toffee can be the toffee glazing, and sometimes the toffee can be inside of it. But yum-yums are delightful, and for everyone who visits England, get a yum-yum from Greg's. Yeah. So I call my uncle who's living in Miami and tell him and bring me some coffee. So you, under his neck, he brings me a bag of instant coffee and then he transfers and put it in the, in the visitation room. And I put, I put it under my neck. And after I'm done visiting, I bring it to the guy. Wait, you're not allowed to bring, oh, maybe because mental people, they don't want to give you caffeine. So it's almost like a drug. So he put it under his nuts. Yeah. 
His friend put it under his nuts and snuck it into the hospital. A tiny little baggie of instant coffee. No, it, it sounded like house. it was a full bag of instant coffee. You put that. His friend's got some big nuts on him. Or maybe he has a very large taint. So there's a lot of area to put it. That's also true. They took that $4 bag of instant coffee and turned it into $85 in 24 hours time. It's crazy. They sold it in, in glove fingers. They took fingers on gloves and cut them up and bagged them like little baggies of drugs. It sold it like $4, $5 a bag. And they sold like hotcakes. That's insane. So this is like money in prison. This is the currency of, or yeah, not in prison, currency you. in this mental hospital are little fingers filled with instant coffee. Imagine going without coffee. I couldn't oh, do it. That would make me mental. I couldn't go mental. a day without coffee, man. So I would be, I would be first in line to get this. I drink like four cups of coffee a day. And I've yeah, been doing this since I've been 11 years old. And I think that's why... Eleven. I, that's why Wait. I'm five foot eight. Your mom was like, "Oh yeah, let let David have his coffee." Yeah, my parents. You know, my parents really didn't care. Like I would, you know, one of the things I like to do as a kid is I used to think that like I'm an adult, so I would like read the paper with them and, drink and eat a bagel and drink coffee. And my parents would totally give me coffee. So when I was like ten, eleven, I'd just be like drinking coffee. And at first, I remember being like, "Oh, it tastes gross," but then I grew to actually really like the taste and the feeling. Of being like caffeinated. Yeah. So for well, me, it was tea over here as well. We have it is oh, yeah. pigmentation of tea drinking, and tea has like nearly as much caffeine as coffee in it. When do but you I start drinking coffee. tea? Different for every folk, but we, I'm not from a tea drinking household. I'm from a coffee drinking household. So I started drinking coffee about like 15, 16, but I never started liking tea. Shocking, shockingly, shocking tea. <laughs> Until I was about 23. At 23 was, years old. I got wow. into it. Yeah, that's so the thing with English drinks. people. They all think like they know this the right concoction for making tea. And I do. <laughs> yeah, but you guys I know all it more like than have your else. own individual recipe for it. But do you know where most people fail? If you put your milk in after you've already done it wrong. It's tea bag, then your milk, and then your water. Don't sugar it. If you're sugaring it, get a life. You're going to start then, some controversy here on the show. I am going to start some controversy, and I don't give a shit. Yorkshire tea only as well. Yorkshire tea is the bomb. Yeah. I guess, it might uh, be English. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely an English thing. Definitely. Okay, four to eighty-four, eighty-five dollars of That's You can't even do coke that, that, that quick. But uh, anyway, that's, that's how I bought protection in the hospital when I first got in there. Uh Man, I hope you guys are having a good one. If you guys want me to call back, let me know. I got a lot of stories. Have a good night, and I love you guys. Bye. He did call back. So he called back here and was talking cool. about an actual episode that he had. Ooh, okay. Eddie again. Uh, I uh, understood that uh, you guys wanted a story of an episode as well. So I'll give you one quick one of those. So uh, long story short, Short story long. I mean, no, 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 no. Uh, just long story short. Um, I'm sure it was downtown. I I uh, see a helicopter with a searchlight looking around in the nearby area, thinking that they're looking for me, which they probably might have been. Because I was doing a lot of weird fucking shit. But, okay, so I, I, I... Wait a second. You're overlooking something. What were you doing that was weird downtown with your shirt off 
by that's Polaroid. what I want to know. Yeah, said weird shit. <laughs> I want to so know I what's like going on here. Include a lot of shit, Eddie. There's a lot of shit involved in weird shit. With that's a guy all. like this, I would say like, oh, okay, he was on a ton of meth or PCP or whatever, and was running yeah. around. But probably not. He's bipolar. He's mental. I could see oh, him yeah, he just. He could have been on a high. Yeah, he could have been on a high. Or yeah, being manic or whatever and just running out with I mean. the shirt yeah, off. That's what I mean. Yeah, he's on yeah. the high of bipolar. Like jumping on people's cars, screaming, punching things. Going into a bar, they're playing No Hey Oh by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Awful. All right, right there. That would make me go insane. That would make me go insane. Yeah, and also I would break things. Everyone inside that bar. Ugh. A band that should not exist. I would laser the shit out of that fucking bar. Although that's that insulting. really, what's the racist song that they have where he sings in Chinese, where he goes, ting, ting, tong, around the world. Ting, what? ting, tong, ting, ting, tang, ting, tong, tang. <laughs> Wait, the, a Red honestly, Hot Chili Peppers song? That is, that's a Red Hot Chili Pepper song where he, he does a, a Chinese accent just like that. But he's, I mean, that's like Screaming Jay Hawkins did that in like the 1950s. But that's Screaming Jay Hawkins. Yeah, but it was it. in the 1950s when you could get yes. away with it. He, this is, this, is like all around the world. Like what year did this song like, come what, out? 2000, 2005, 2004. <laughs> ding, ding, did bang, he catch ding, any ding, flack? No, I think it was different times back then, wasn't it, D? Nowadays, if that was released, they'd be like, he is so racist. But it's not like he's singing it like that. <laughs> and it is Anthony. <laughs> and I start singing along and I walk to the bathroom and everyone's just standing at me like, what the fuck is this kid doing? I just chilled it for a minute and then left. But I did a lot of stupid shit. I just walked up to like massive amounts of people and asked for cigarettes. Like, I one day I had no cigarettes. I walked up and asked and got 18 cigarettes from random people. Because I was just, you know, charismatic. 18. Um, but uh, yeah, I got a, I have a very tortured past when it comes to my, my mental health. But actually, you know, I'm not that guy. He's kind of smart. You can put depending on who you ask. Um, anyway, I will call again if you want me to. Please want me to. All right. <laughs> Bye. All right. Bye, Polaretti. That's fine that you're going shirtless into a bar, singing Getting a Red Hot cigarettes. Chili Peppers song, and uh, bumming well, cigarettes off of people. Yeah. No, but I mean, I thought this was like, because I didn't, I mean, I, I, Saw that he called in, but he was saying, he prefaced this by saying he was about an episode. I guess that's kind of an episode, but I thought this would be an episode where there'd be motherfuckers in white shirts tackling you on the ground, tasing you, and bringing you into the hospital. That's what I want to hear. Yeah, ring that back in, Eddie. One of my pals, mums, she's bipolar. She's extremely bipolar, and do you know what she does when she's on her highs? Her highs can last a couple of weeks. Um, she She has a boyfriend, that she goes and shags for like two weeks. Whoa. And then when she comes down off the high, she comes back to the family. Wait, wait, wait. This is her mum. His mum, yeah. His mum. She's, she's she's crazy, like. Is she's there like, a, is is she married? She's married with a family and they all know that this was this is what she does when she goes on a high. Cause he lives like two hundred miles away, her boyfriend. So when she gets on a high, she goes and stays in a hotel with him, takes the credit cards. And they're like, well, at least she's safe. And she's they're and doing... the dad's totally cool with that. The dad, like the husband, put, puts up with it. Might not be cool with it. Puts up with it. Why would you put up with that? Why would you put up with it? I don't know. But that's what. So, like, just because you're bipolar doesn't mean 
you're going to be doing necessarily mega mental shifts. But you could be doing, be doing well spontaneous shifts. kind of acts like that. You know. Yeah, you've got no control basically. <laughs> so wait, she just like has an episode. She's manic. She calls up the guys like, "Let's fuck for a couple weeks. I'll meet you at the hotel." She'll be like, "I'll be at this hotel for two weeks. Come and be with me if you want." And then when she, I like, it. I think it's how it's funny when she's like, "Oh yeah, I'm depressed now. I'm gonna go home and then be depressed around all the kids." And the kids and the husband. So the husband probably just never gets laid. Oh, yeah, that'd be the worst part. I'd be like, "Can yeah. you not come back when you're high and like you're fun? Now you're just this." I would get divorced. Fuck the kids. Mm-hmm. Who cares? Uh, people call Signal Hotline 323-522-4032. Uh, we got a couple of emails to get to. Um, nice. One came in from D about her Canadian neighbor. Remember this? Ooh, yeah. Like they were watching each other wank. I know I'm invested in this relationship. She said, I heard him talking super loud on the phone. I think this is an American thing. Yeah, we do all, <laughs> we all do that. We're very boisterous, obnoxious people. Saying he was getting a flight back home to Canada. So sadly, he's not living here anymore. I thought perhaps he was a relative of the owner. No idea. Weird. Any tips on how to seduce a postman? My postman has a similar accent, so perhaps he's Canadian too, and he's ever so sweet. Gosh, I'm deprived. Love D. So there you go. Any tips? Yeah. On seducing uh, the postman? Well, firstly, you could just um, you could compliment his accent, but every postman I know is a massive stoner, so just maybe be smoking a token on a joint and be like, "How's it going, Posty?" Oh, and That's then give I him think. a hit and then smoke weed with him. Mm-hmm. Every postman I've ever known, they've all been fucking stoners. God, how do you know how to deliver the mail then? Like, because you guys have an efficient. You- mail system like we do it's pretty that's why because it's pretty simple once you get into it like learn it you know i think fuck the mail the post postal service go for the bin men the bin men will fuck the shit out of you d they also make um probably more money i would say the bin men they do make good money over here yeah. hats off to the bin men hats off to they them keep society going throughout the covid they, they keep society going that's what they do hats off to them I say D, shag the bin man. Do you have any uh, advice on how to shag a bin man? Oh, God, you're going to have to get up so early to shag a bin man. At least a postman will... Who knows when her postman comes around. Just like telling me like his accent and be like, what are you doing over here? Because postmen have time to chat. I chat with my postman all the time. What does your postman look like? Is he fit? He's an old guy. He's just a real sweet old guy. Does he have pubic hair? I'm going to ask him the next time I see him. But you well, know, that in the summer he? when they wear the shorts, he's about 50. When they wear the shorts. Oh, you can I'm see the gonna... pubic hair sticking out. I was going to do a peek. <laughs> yeah. And see. D, I think you should make sure that he has pubic hair because he might be old if not. Wait, she might be into the no pubic hair look. She might be oh, into it. Yeah. A lot of kids are these days. Um, yeah. got, a, got, a, got a, another one from Mike. He says, D, happy belated birthday. 46, still plenty of time to hate the world. You're right yeah. You're right about that there, Mike. Mm-hmm. Father Ted was talked about a few sessions ago. It was. I mentioned it and said how much you'd enjoy it. It's a sitcom. He said, if you're interested, the accidental fascist is worth a watch. Is that a Father Ted episode? Or is that a... Oh, I don't know. I don't know what the episodes are named. They were just mm-hmm. always on telly. Maybe it's some of the actors from from it in it. I don't know. Is Father Ted still on, or is that like an 80s? No, but it was like run, rerun 
for years upon years. They have not made new episodes of that. Five and Ted's great. Is it better than EastEnders? It's a totally different experience, dude. What, is it, what is it like is a, a soap opera, and Father Ted is like a sitcom type thing. Oh, huh. Yeah. Very, who's in it? Who's in Father Ted? Who played Father Ted? Oh, God. I can't. The guy who played Father Ted is now dead. That's Hugh why the show Laurie? stopped. Oh. No, oh, it's not alive. Hugh Laurie. It's all Irish people do. Um, but it's hilarious. It's so good. It's really worth a watch. All right. I'm going to check that out um, mm-hmm. based on both of your suggestions. Father Ted, thank you. Uh, stay safe. Mike out. Well, thank you there, Mike. It's always good to hear from you. Um, people, check out the new Sick and Wrong Reddit page. Uh, there's like 400 perverts on there. Yes, all banded together as one. Who knows what we could achieve? And you know, some of the, oh yeah, yeah, we'll start going after GameStop. Um, some of the videos are like, you know, kind of disgusting videos. And we talked about a few of the disgusting ones, but some of them are actually kind of innocuous, kind of pleasant, pleasant videos. Like I posted one of that guy doing leapfrog like hopping over a dwarf i yeah, thought that, that was, was lighthearted. Fun. it was fun it was fancy free you know it was nice uh, warwick davis is a heavy reddit user and he posts some some really nice videos sometimes amongst all his other salacious videos it's a good place to spend some mm-hmm. if you have some free time you could go to facebook but you're going to be saying, seeing the same trite boring shit on facebook go to reddit give it a whirl it's r slash sick and wrong podcast no spaces um, a lot of listeners have been signing up for the Patreon, and we appreciate that. You really are supporting yes. the show. I'm pretty stoked because I'm planning on uh, getting a new iMac because my iMac sucks. I mean, as you can tell by the camera right here, <laughs> but my iMac's from uh, 2007, actually, which is I was crazy. Say, how old is this it? thing's a beast, though. It's a beast. I mean, mm-hmm. me Wackerly did some of the first episodes of Sick and Wrong on this thing. Um, but anyway, we're doing a lot on the Patreon these days. Put a lot of effort. I don't know if it's because of COVID and, we're, and I'm home more, so I have more time. Maybe it's because Kate's into it. But uh, yeah, I mean, not only do we, we do we do an extra story and we do extra phone calls, we have a new segment now called The Sick and Wrong News, where uh, mm-hmm. we kind of highlight, you know, current news topics. So like news of the week. Because um, a, a lot of times, like I... I I go through when I'm looking for stories and I'm trying to find things that are more like true crime related to do on the show. But then I come across a lot of stuff like, God, I'd like to talk about this. Yeah, like Because it's funny. Stuff. It's funny stuff and celebrity stuff and things like that. Such as Kellyanne Conway posting nude photos of her daughter on Twitter. That's yeah. funny. But I wouldn't talk yeah. about it on Sick and Wrong, but uh, you know, on the main show because we have other stuff to talk about. But so now we kind of put that into the news section. We also did a story about Mike Patton from Faith No More. Oh yeah, yeah. Taking a shit and Axel Rose's orange juice. That's the type of stuff that we're talking about in Sick and Wrong News. News is steamy. Yeah, for only five bucks. You get the extra phone calls, you get the extra stories, you get the news and you get outtakes. And not to mention, we also are doing a bonus episode uh, called Sick and Wrong Overkill, uh, where we do kind of stories that are tangentially related to the uh, topic on the main show. So this week, Kate kind of went through and did like a, a freaky fact roundup of some really fucking weird stories. Yeah, from these old 1970s encyclopedias I have. I went, just went through them and chose like really random stuff. Yeah, but it's kind of based some, on freaks. Yeah, so cherry pick some weird stories. So anyway, just go to patreon.com slash sickandwrong. Sign up today. Uh, we do really appreciate it. Also, a uh, new T Public store. Uh, it's, I guess it's not as new. It's been around for a few months now, but uh, <laughs> we do have a lot of shit there. 
Um, I've been ordering a lot of stuff. I ordered no, I'm, these like, I'm cool getting a banners. Yeah, yeah, these my cool banner banners. Soon. My background for when we uh, record. But they have a lot of, we have a, I mean, that's, that's kind of what I like about Tee Public is not only do you do t shirts, but they do a lot of other types of merch. Um, we also, for Patreons, you guys get a uh, 30% off discount right now for patrons um, for the whole month of February. But everybody else, they are doing a sale um, probably in like a week. They do all these sales, these sales every now and then. Yeah. Like I would say every couple of weeks they seem to be doing some kind of sale on that site. I don't know how they make any money because they, they're giving all, everything away. They're definitely not a company that's owned by the Jews. <laughs> now, we wouldn't be like, give, like, what are you talking about? Giving the shit away for free every couple of weeks? It's not going to happen. So just go to sickerongpodcast.com slash shop and click on the picture of the Pope and you can go to the Tea Public store. A Sickerong song of the week. I picked this one out. This one reminds me. I'm an old man, but this, this album okay, came out when I was in high school. Yeah. High school. It was a very, this was like a, an influential record for me. Ministries, Psalm 69. Came out in 1992. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we're going to play a song called NWO, New World Order, because it's nice. topical. Fits yeah. into the theme of the show. Uh, this yeah. is the opening track off of uh, uh, Psalm 69, which is actually Ministries' fifth studio album. It's their fifth record. Yeah. yeah, it's in the full name. I didn't realize this. I always used to call it Psalm 69, but it's Psalm 69, the way to succeed and the way to suck eggs. Yeah, I never knew that. Um, but they had a couple other uh, singles. I mean, New World Order is a single, but they also had uh, Jesus Built My Hot Rod was a pretty uh, popular song off of that. And Just yeah. One Fix. Great mm -hmm. band. I miss seeing okay. Ministry Live. Anyway, we're going to end the show here with uh, Ministries. New World Order. People will be back next week with episode 777. Till then, take a sleazy.
literally just said, that background makes you look like D is filming an ISIS video. <laughs> 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 it does. It kind of does. I guess it's like the... Uh... Make your Jew demands. <laughs> yeah, it's like, this is my Jew Minati New World Order. We will yeah, cut H your head H off. <laughs> HQ. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. It does kind of give it, it does kind of look like that. Yes, the ISIS. <laughs> the ISIS touch to your home. <laughs> go to T Public, sick and yeah go, yeah, go get like a, a nice banner. I mm. I don't know which one do you which one do you like better? Do you like the uh the they live one or the or this one? I do like the 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 they live one. They live, but I always think the uh the eyes look like assholes. So I kind of fixate on that. And the assholes? What do you Yeah, like, I like fixate the stare on at assholes. I just stare at the asshole and I stare Longingly. at the asshole. Hey, no, I stare at the asshole and I stare at the asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear that. That's good on so many levels. <laughs>